I live! I have survived again! It tried to take me out in 2020. Didn't work. Try to take me out in 2022. It didn't work. Brand's camera fell down. Holy shit. And it tried to take me out a few last weekend. But guess what? I have survived for three times. I have survived the onslaught that is the COVID. Even though I just realized I was on the actual last episode of Victor Podcast. So this kind of makes it a moot point. But if you've been following our content for a while. <laughs> If you've been following our content for a while, you would know that I have not been on a lot of things, but uh, I'm here now. I'm alive. It hasn't taken me out yet. So suck it. But anyways, yeah. Hey, how's it going, everyone? This is episode 348 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I am Ben Magnet. I am alongside my bros. Sparks Witty is up there. Yes, I am here also. Uh, uh, gr great to have you back, Ben. Yeah, it's, it is great to be back and not dying. And, of course, I have Brandon McClure, who, by the looks of it, has his camera fixed and ready. Everything good, buddy? Everything fine? You completely missed. I'm so glad that happened at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How um, much of my intro did you not hear? Like, I can, I can or... hear it. I can hear it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, I'm glad know. you survived COVID a third time. A third time. Guys, I think I'm cursed it's like to get sick before a major life event or a major trip. Because this is the third time it's happened that I've gotten either majorly sick or minorly sick before a major event. Yeah. yeah, it, well, it, yeah. We were talking about that when we went to see Godzilla Minus One. We were like, I can't believe this happened again. But good news that I did heal. I did recover. In time, so I could see minus one. Yes, uh, but but unfortunately, you missed the yeah. review. Uh, yeah, review that... is upcoming for Godzilla minus one. Since we're on that, we covered yeah. we covered your thoughts. We talked about them. We talked a lot. That that review for Godzilla minus one will come out uh, Tuesday. Yes, um, but why don't we talk about some of the other things that that have dropped on the channel since? Oh yeah. boy, tell me all about them. Uh, we're back after two weeks. Uh, we didn't come. I forgot to mention that we weren't going to be back last week. So I, I hope nobody was sitting by the computer waiting for the notification to be like, hey, we're live. Welcome back to the Fickner podcast. Um, Grayson's uh, as computer with waiting with bated breath. <laughs> Grayson is not a computer because he's not at work at this time. We've lost we've lost our, our dedicated listeners, Mag and Grayson, because we switched times. Yeah, you you created an image of Grayson that I know can't exist where like he's holding like stuffed merch of one of us and, and <laughs> eagerly awaiting oh stuffed merch hmm. brandon no brandon no no, no. <laughs> little stop bigger it. plushies <laughs> um, no. it's too expensive i would never yeah. um but we have plenty of things on uh, on on YouTube and and our on our audio feeds for you guys to check out. Uh, they are in the description below. I'll go through them right now. Um, Star Trek Lower Decks season four, uh, Fickner's Watch has begun. Um, uh, myself, Xander, and Travis Alexander. Um, hmm. My friend, my friends, Travis Alexander and Xander Hockey uh, joined us for uh, for that. Um, yeah. Which was uh, which is really fun to do. Um, that's episode one and two, uh, three and four is also out. But that is the that is the last two episodes that will 
uh, come out before just one final episode for the series uh, for the season four. We um, had trouble scheduling that one. So there's only three episodes for Star Trek Lower Decks uh, to cu- uh, that are going to be out, but the first two episodes are in the description below. That was a good season, by the way. Probably one of the better seasons of Star Trek. Uh, probably the best season of Star Trek that aired this year. And uh, one of the better seasons of Star Trek, period. Mm, um, better, Even better really than how Picard hit you? Yeah, so um, Picard and Lower Decks, not to kind of give too much away, but uh, Lower Decks is for sure 100% in my top 15 of this of the end of the year. Uh, Picard is still there. I need to kind of reevaluate some of the things. The the kind of the, how Picard ends is a little weird and still kind of sits with me as a little strange. But there's still a lot that I love in Star Trek Picard season three. Uh, but Star Trek Lower Deck season four has a has such a bonkers insane. You guys don't care. Um, I'll just say what it is because the season. I care. I asked because I care. <laughs> no, I know, but like I'll say what the reveal is at the end of the season because sure. this is. A, I'm going to name a character that nobody in their right mind is going to know. Um. But there's a character called Nick Locarno that shows up at the end of the season and and Sparks is pretending to know who that is. Um, and um, and it's such a obscure nothing reference uh, that becomes such a big kind of emotional arc for our character, for one of our main characters. And it was incredible. It was awesome. I, I, I loved it so much. Um, so it 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 is. It joins probably three animated shows that are in my top 15 this year, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be fun to see. But mint place in the in the, yeah. in the comments. Hello. Uh, we, we know what we know what you're here for. Um, here for the magnet and uh, wasted space has ended. Wasted space volume five. Um, we've covered all five volumes of Waste of Space on the Fickner Book Club, but that the final volume is available now for you guys to check out. It's very fun to do. I'm sad it's over, but it ended in such a good way that I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. And hopefully you've read the book along with us. It's a great series. Or if you didn't, please go check it out. It's a fantastic yeah. five volume series. It's very digestible. It's very good. Um, it's a smaller indie comic title. Highly recommend and we have discussions for all five volumes up, and you can definitely like check those out at any point. But highly encourage it. It's it's one of my favorite comics that's out there. Yeah, same. And a while ago, I want to say it was like what two ish years ago, give or take. Yeah, when maybe? we first started. Are you going to talk about when we talked to Michael Morisi? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We did that like right after we talked about Volume Three because Volume Four, Volumes Four and Five weren't out uh, in full yet. Um, that was that was lovely. Uh, I I would sincerely love if we could do so again to talk about the rest yeah. of the series. Uh, Invincible season two. We've started Fickner's watch for that one in earnest. We have not done. Um, we've only done the first two episodes so far. We will come back to do three and four. Um, just timing and scheduling and whatnot. But episodes uh, one and two are there. Hey man, great series. Who's surprised? Nobody. Right. Um, incredible show. I'm really happy to be back with it. Ben, you couldn't be on that one, but hopefully you'll be on for three and four. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, Ahsoka uh, has ended. So there's two episodes of Ahsoka, four and five, and then six, seven, and eight. Uh, those are two different episodes. Um, I was not on the last episode of Ahsoka, but I was on the uh, the four and five episode of Ahsoka. Um, good series. Um, fun fact, I still haven't watched the finale. I was realizing Why that yesterday. I haven't, watched the fin- I haven't watched the last episode of Ahsoka yet. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Why? 
I, it just, I've heard you talk about things in such a way where I'm like, oh, I understand the context of this because he's referring to things that he didn't like about the finale or something like that. And now knowing that you didn't watch it, I'm like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about anymore. I will say this, the entire finale has been spoiled for me. Like, I'm I'm so chronically online that the entire finale has been spoiled, has been spoiled for me at sure. this point. Sure, I, I still feel like there's... It's not that I'm know. it's not that I haven't watched it or or that I'm not uh interested in watching it. It's just for some reason it kind of slipped away. Um this was around the same time that we were recording this around the same time that I was feeling an immense burnout um from the from the things that we were doing on the show. Um and so kind of Ahsoka kind of took the brunt of that. Um so I, I do intend to watch the finale, but it but if you guys want to talk about people talk about the finale, uh it's that it's down there in the description for you guys to to see and hear. Um, I think that's a, a just real quick, uh, just to advocate for it, um, our discussion of it. I think it's a very, I think we bring a lot of fair criticism and praise. I think yeah. that we have a very balanced and nuanced discussion about what what about Ahsoka is working and what about Ahsoka maybe maybe tripped at the finish line of yeah. this season anyway. Um, yeah, so check that out, please. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, as Fixers watch, I'm very excited about. Uh, the Monarch Legacy of Monsters is out. Uh, that's episode one and two, and then three and four uh, are out now. Um, uh, because we haven't done five, just aired, so we haven't done five and six yet. Um, yeah, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, once again, another great show. Uh, surprising, uh, I think, everyone um, at how good Monarch Legacy of Monsters is. Uh, check out our discussion about that now. Um. Oh yeah, Doctor Who. Sparks, you and I did a massive episode with Z our friend Xander Hockey of Doctor Who. Huge. Um, it was a uh, so we we uh Sparks and I were going through uh the Doctor Who episodes that we have missed uh in the interim between uh, uh when we when the various points that we dropped off at and the upcoming sixty and the then upcoming sixtieth anniversary special. So hey, why don't we turn it into content? Um, so we did a uh, a huge. Uh, episode centered around the last five episodes of David Tennant and then the entirety of the Matt Smith era, which I'll be real. I did not know I had that much to say about Matt Smith. Nobody did. Nobody did. Nobody, nobody, nobody knew because the thing is like, there's so much to criticize and there's so much to lambast. And you also have to, at the same time go, well, wait, but it wasn't all bad. And yeah. you have to find time for the praise as well. And like, that was the challenges because we had, we have so many things that are like, that have been the thorns in our side for so long mm -hmm. that we, especially around that era. And then you have to go, but wait, I'm being too mean, or I'm just focusing on this too much. There's, there are good things and I need to talk about the good things. <laughs> um, and then we have also talked about the 50th in that. So like, his regeneration episode is right after the 50th and it's become such a much it becomes because of that becomes a much bigger episode i there's still things i'm still thinking of the things i didn't say on that episode you know we knew setting out to do this this doctor who kind of recap stuff we knew we had to be like really broad we couldn't be mm -hmm. too too specific it was kind of easy to do in the in the early davies era but i think this one and the next one are going to be a, more challenging to yeah cover in broad strokes because it, we because of timing we're just not going back and doing like full comprehensive season by season discussions of these doctors we're just not good i i'd love it but like we don't have that kind of time no i, <laughs> I would do I, it but we don't have the time the next one i think is going to be really difficult we should probably start a little earlier if we if we potentially can yeah 
Um, but yeah, the, I'm, we got one more. We're going to do Capaldi and, and Whitaker, and that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about because there's a lot to love and there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to not like uh, in both eras that I'm excited to dive into. Um, and Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim. Um, uh, we started the Scott Pilgrim uh, discussion, um, which is uh, exciting. Uh, there's yeah. more Scott Pilgrim to come, uh, schedules permitting, of course. Um, so much Scott I'm, all the Scott Pilgrim. Literally and, all the Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> literally all the, I, no, like for real, literally all the Scott Pilgrim. Um, literally all of the Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> um, We're doing so, everything. <laughs> volumes one and two are in the description below that's the that's your you, you guys were on on that one without me i couldn't make that one unfortunately broke um, my heart to not have you there um i'm excited for you to be back for the next ones i mean not to, no stuff happens scheduling yeah. in life happens uh and we had to to soldier on and if you had to miss one that was the one to miss yeah i uh yeah. i I'll, I'll 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 just say why i the same day i had to put my dog down and it was really rough um and i just I just couldn't muster up the energy to read those books and be on the, on the thing. So, uh, but I'm, I'm excited to catch up and be on the next one. Of course uh, it, it also, I was also sad that I couldn't be on that one, but it is what it is. In, in my opinion, like, have you started reading the books yet? Not yet. I'm in the middle of doom right now. So I'm... the first, the first volume is almost entirely like very little changes from between the film and the book. Mm -hmm. So like, that's why like, half of half of that discussion was like volume one well you kind of know like we're these are a lot of the beats we're going to trudge in everything so we don't need to like belabor them and that kind of thing we're going to talk about a lot of these a lot more in the, in the movie so mm -hmm. we kind of just like brush through volume one very quickly uh and that's why i'm like that was really the one to miss because there is the most like you've seen this before yeah uh um do you recommend reading the black and white or the color versions um i think if you want the color then read the color versions i think the color is lovely it's it's mm -hmm. gorgeous um i think that the book is absolutely enjoyable in both formats um i think the color is great uh but i i i loved it in black and white the first time i read it like i think you could go either way whatever your preference mm -hmm. is do it i colors do go gorgeous. both ways colors are gorgeous um, okay, so Monarch and then Ahsoka, we have already covered those two. Uh, today, though, Five Nights at Freddy's uh, Cinephiles dropped. Yes, that's true. Um, we discussed the Five Nights at Freddy's movie over on Victor Cinephiles, and uh, that's... It's December, it's December 10th, and the Five Nights at Freddy's review is finally up. <laughs> <laughs> Just this, is how, this, is how, this is how strike content works, is we made a decision that we were like, we're not going to dump all the strike stuff all at once, because it would all just get lost in the, yep. in the shuffle. So we have to like wean it out, and this is what happens when you wean it out. Well, I mean, yeah. that's come, I mean, Five Nights at Freddy's is coming out on DVD and available digitally. So, sure. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a that's a movie with a that was a good discussion. There's a lot of mixed opinions of that movie. Um, uh, yeah, so looking forward for you guys to hear that. All right, so that's it though. That's all the links in the description. Check oh, them out. Uh, we did a lot Rudy of dark links in there. You're right. There is a Dan dark link in there. <laughs> uh, um, go to the DNR as as website. Ben's on the show. It's a, it's a whole thing. He plays yeah, uh, uh, Mary Frankenstein. However, sorry, did I get lost? I, I think we were talking. Was I lost for a minute? Sorry, I, you're a little bit delayed. Um, okay, you guys explain the in dark then, Ben. Okay. Uh yeah, you know, tabletop RPG uh 
and this last up tabletop RPG that myself, Grayson Live, and a few other fr- our friends are doing. You know, I play Mary Frankenstein. Grace plays Invisible Man, <laughs> and we had our latest episode drop. But actually, um, not only that, our finale for the Patreon exclusive Call of Cthulhu do dropped as well. Sparks, have you had a chance to listen to the that finale yet? No, um, no, actually. No. All right. Uh, well, go ahead. I'm just gonna say this. I got two words for you. Appendix fairy. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah. um, yeah. Oh, it came out. Oh, oh, it came out Friday. Yeah, it came out on Friday. Okay. That's that's why. Because I was looking for it on on Wednesday and it wasn't. Well, I was looking for it last Wednesday. Right. Because you had a new regular episode this week yeah we had a new regular episode this week and then last right and, and last, last week, week you had nothing right yeah i was looking for it last week and i was like where's my kathubi do and so i didn't <laughs> know it came out on friday i hadn't i haven't looked at my stuff since so yeah well let me know what you think when it's not when, when you finally do listen to it but yeah besides that uh the last the latest episode of D dark we set up uh another i don't want to say big bad but another guest character showed up and it the funny thing is like behind little inside baseball almost all the entire cast clocked who the character was i don't know the person who plays this this certain character but like the whole time i'm listening and we're like like npcs are giving us clues i'm like is this so and so and then when it was revealed to actually be so and so i'm like knew it and then dan was like man you guys clocked him so early what the hell i have yet to listen to this week's dn dark uh because i was listening to something else but uh i'm excited to catch up yeah it's a good episode can't wait for you guys to listen to it yeah all right so that's in the description below uh why don't we get into uh when i get into the, the 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 stuff for this week um with the 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 discussion part of this episode i'm going to bring up babs because it just feels wrong without her bless you i should have muted for that one um let's talk about uh norman lear before we get into kind of a general discussion of things uh norman lear uh passed away this this week at the age of 101 incredible and uh and and a rare moment of um kind of solidarity uh all the major networks uh fox nbc cbs abc all of them aired an in memoriam tribute to him um which has to my knowledge never happened but i think probably must have at one at some point uh this was a simulcast kind of immemorium thing like a, yeah. every like every network at this time aired this thing it's hard to say norman lear is such a um foundational linchpin inside of the creation of like modern television mm-hmm. um so it's a, you know, like he touched all those networks in some way. So I, I get why that, that happens. Um, yeah. A super, super important person uh, in the sense that like TV, the landscape of television as we've, as we knew it for all our lives uh, doesn't happen without Norman Lear. Yeah. Uh, 101. Yeah. That's a hell of a legacy and 101 that... years old is nothing to snip at. Oh no. Very important too is Norman Lear was a big advocate of like, the upcoming of the black black sitcom 
Um, right. He was, he, I just read uh, the Jefferson's was one of his, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of uh, black sitcoms get their, get their way into the landscape because of Norman Lear. Um, hugely important for that. Uh, again, like, like I said, like he really shifts what television is yeah. uh, during his tenure. A lot of his sitcoms I was reading um, would tackle a lot of topics that most sitcoms are just not going would never would either not tackle because they think there's just a sitcom to just entertain, but or were too afraid to tackle. And he was there at the forefront doing a lot of it. Yeah, true. Truly, I think there are two, like for for everything from like the the forties going up to modern day, there are two people who like cement television and and shape what it's going to be for what it still is as far as network television up to this day. And that's Lucille Ball and Norman Lear. Um, It's those two. Lucille Ball uh, gave a Star Trek fun fact. Yeah, true. Like everything, everything kind of uh, a lot of major decisions to send down from those two icons and the things that they did to shift the landscape. So, yeah. 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 Hugely important person, long life, incredible legacy. Um, One of the rare, uh, I won't say like everything he did was always good, mm-hmm. but um, he was clearly a person with a lot of good intention. Yeah. And one of those rare kind of people you get behind the scenes of like multimedia like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was an advocate for for change and progress. Um, OK, well, uh, the, that that the last thing we'll talk about before we get into our uh, thing is um, SAG-AFTRA um this week i believe it was this week right yeah Yeah. um they ratified the contract and we we've talked about the sag strikes and the wga strikes for for a long time now we uh did our best to stay informed and inform you guys on what on what was happening um when wga got their contract it seemed like a very good contract like there was a lot of turnout uh everyone was really happy with it um there was such a, a victory attitude surrounding the WGA contract. And I only bring that up because none of that was present for the SAG-AFTRA contract. Um, the, with for SAG-AFTRA, um, this new contract was met with a lot of criticism, especially from, vo- from the voice acting community who felt left behind uh, And as far as the AI protections. Now, that's not to say that this contract was not good. There were a lot of good gains in this contract. There were a lot, a lot of great streaming residuals, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of things that they fought for, they got, uh, but they, but and and AI was the was kind of the big one that they didn't get, and there was this big attitude coming from SAG-AFTRA that was saying, um, "You, uh, we'll get them next time." Yeah. Mm. Um, if I may. Yeah. Um. So, kind of a big thing, and like a lot of my friends who are in the union, who I've seen talking about it, or who have talked to me about it, um it's very much a sense of when the strike ended, everyone believed that what they'd been fighting for this whole time, what SAG-AFTRA had said they wouldn't relent on and all this stuff as they were doing the strike, that they would win those things. And in terms of the AI protections, like it's not what they were striking for, you know, it's not what they were willing to commit for to get this. And they felt misled and they felt kind of like, again, we've talked about this, like kind of rock in a hard place because they're like, the pressure is so much worse to just take this yeah. because the, the negotiating committee relented and said, sure. And ended the strike. 
But once everyone had their eyes on it, they're like, this is not what we did this for. Like in terms of the AI protections, this is not why we were willing to strike for this long. And it's really hard because it's created a lot of, of discontent and dissonance uh, in the community for it. Um, and I think going forward, it's going to be harder to like convince them that they're going to get what they need. So um, another nasty part of this is uh, this was ratified with only 38% uh, of the union voting. Um, and people have pointed to, wow, that seems like a really low number. How come people didn't turn out to vote? And that isn't the problem. Um, they demanded that the dues be paid for you to be eligible to vote. And those oh. dues are the dues that go back six months during the strike. So a whole chunk of the union doesn't have the fees to pay those dues right now because of the strike. That's nasty. That's yes, messed up. it is. Yes, it is. One of one of my close friends like point was like, this is this is a stupid way to have gone about this and really upsetting. And it feels like it feels like they were tricked and they were trapped. There's that there's that kind of sensibility happening with this with this one. There's a lot. Look, it's a very nuanced discussion to have. Um, I I I uh, I know someone in IATSE uh, very personally, and there was this kind of idea that like, let's just get back to work. We've got the contract. Let's just get back to work. There's a lot of um, so there's a lot of pressure from within the union and without the union to just be like, hey, take this contract. Let's just get back to work. Um, let's get these people working again. Um, and it it's such a shame because like as soon as they called off the strike, as soon as they got the interim contract and they said the strike is over, they lost all momentum to go back to the negotiating table. And yes. um, so they were they were as as Sparks rightfully said between a rock and a hard place at that point. Um, they had it, it was either you take it or you go back on strike again and you go back to the table with nothing. Yes. Yeah. And that uh, that really uh, sucks. Uh, they're they're all just stuck. Like I I lament for a lot of my friends who are in the union who wanted to vote against this and then couldn't because they couldn't pay the dues. Um, uh, but that I, I, in my head, like, I didn't say that I'm like, I'm not part of this. I'm not going to push my opinion on you, but I'm like, they're saying like, I'm going to vote no on this. I can't accept that this is what we went on strike for. And I'm like, you got nothing though. Now, like, uh, unfortunately it's not your fault, but the committee screwed you. Like you've lost all your bargaining power. And if you yeah. go back now, you're the bad guy. Like, uh, no matter, unfortunately, you will be the bad guy. And it's such a shame because, like, you know, look at the kind of super heroic reception the WGA negotiating committee was received by this kind of, they had there were standing ovations, record turnout. What was it, like a 98% uh, turnout voted yes um, on the WGA contract? And then, and then you get this, and all of a sudden, and now these, these well respected, people these well-respected actors this, this in this negotiating committee are seen as um villains now um you know regardless of the pressure that was probably uh being given to them by some of the higher ups in, in the in the union i'm i look fran got a lot of um got a lot of kudos when she called the strike and she and she started saying like hey ai is and she said ai is an existential threat to our to our our, our industry and now she's saying trust we trust the studios this is what she's saying we trust the studios to do the right thing about it you cannot trust p 
people who look at you as a number on a spreadsheet to do the right thing in any capacity. There is no one who makes over a billion dollars a day who will ever do the right thing ever. Uh, I, I will say that, like, ultimately what you've ended up with is a contract that feels like, yeah, it's pretty good if you're an A-lister or a B-lister. But if yeah. you're anything below that, like, you don't have the public protection uh, against AI. Like, they're not going to AI without permission any of the known names. Right. But it's everybody else in the industry who's going to be hurt by this. And I, I think, you know, we are where we are now. And they set themselves up for it. The, the, this is, you know, we have and, to live with the fact that they walked away from the table with with what this was. And that's that's what it's going to be now. And so now we're in the, they have screwed around. Well, we're going to have to see what happens in the find out phase now. It it was those people that they were striking for. It was the it was the C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. It was those listers. It was the, the those people that they were striking for. They kept saying, we're not striking for George Clooney or Emma Stone. We're striking mm -hmm. for uh, the background actors, we're striking for the voice actors, we're striking for these people. And they are the people that were left behind by this contract. Yes, a hundred percent. And like, there's no, it, I, I, I'm sure what we're going to see is that the, you know the next time the rounds come around, like a lot of that, a lot of the upper board of the union is going to be voted out. Uh, new people will be voted in who they hope will fight for them more accurately next time. Yeah. Um, and like, unfortunately, that's where we are. Is like, uh, yeah, you're going to have to fight for this again in three years. Yeah, that's that's the that's the deal. Is like, uh, if if you believe in this, if you care about it then you have to fight for this. And, and I'm not even going to say that there's an entirely wrong stance on this. It just sucks uh, because you needed all of the things that you got that aren't the AI protections. You needed all of it and you got yeah. it. Um, the residual stuff from streaming, that still could have been better than it is, but it's something. Um, they looked at you're it as foundational. And you're going to have to go back about the AI stuff. And, and like, hopefully because we know they're going to make AI stuff in the next three years. Hopefully you can use that as a table of evidence of like, this is bad. Yeah. And win your fight. I hope so. But the thing, the thing is like when Microsoft made that deal uh, with that AI company, we talked about a couple weeks ago to yeah. um, make, and yeah, it's it, it companies don't have to use it. It's not a requirement to use it, but like, you can't trust these corporations to do the right thing. You have no, to force them to. Line. You yeah. have to force them to do the right thing. They, they, uh, if they can cut corners, they will. Um, and it's across the board. I don't care how how rosy and cheap, how rosy the video game industry is towards creators. They, they are they are just as complicit. Everyone, all these corporations, every single corporation is complicit in this idea that they have to be forced to do the right thing. Because they will not choose to, they will never choose to, and at least they're every, looking at every big name, right? And every, and, and they're looking at, they're right, right. You know, like the smaller companies, like Lionsgate or um, A twenty four, they can't even afford not to do the right thing, right? Uh, you know, those people were were pretty much okay there, but like these Warner Brothers, these Disney's, these Microsofts, these Sony's, like they are they are people that don't value human life, do not value art. Uh, they are in this industry to make a quick buck and then retire on their 40 yachts. Um, and that has been, that has been made very evident these past, this past couple of months. 
And it's it's a shame to say, but it, it you know, you can't look at this contract and say and and say this is just foundational because we'll go on strike in 3 years. Yeah. What what are we doing? Yeah. That's not how you're supposed to treat this. You're supposed to this is the one. This was the moment. And 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 what look, maybe it was maybe it was just pressure. Maybe it was a fumble, whatever the excuse is. It, it it's done. This is it. It was, def- it was definitely a butt fumble, that's for sure. A butt fumble? It's a it's a sports thing. If you're if you follow football, you know what I mean. Uh but anyways, my whole thing on this is there shouldn't have to be a next time. Like right. Sparks, you were saying is like a lot of the, the a lot of people saying that they were talking about how it's like, oh we'll we'll get them next time. It's like there shouldn't be a next time. Like Brandon was saying, this was your shot. You missed it. And now you have I mean, best case scenario, some a few studios do make AI generated things. They are completely awful. And they're like, okay, yeah, we messed up. They learn from their mistakes, but we know that it's not going to happen. They make mistakes. They just say, oh, we'll just cut our losses and try something else that saves us money or some other financial BS that's going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, this, I, go ahead. No, nah, this was their shot and they flubbed it up. So, like, they didn't, I, I, I do think it's important to stress that, like, in the, in the same conversation, like, it wasn't a full flub. Like, there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things in this contract that, like, they were hard, they were hard wins. Like, yeah. Absolutely. They were things that, that the studios were not willing to give and they gave. Um, it does suck that the AI protections are like bad. And again, like it is not the thing that the people wanted them to fight for in terms of AI protection, why they were willing to strike. They wanted something stronger for that. But we can't pretend that like the rest of it wasn't good. Like it, it is Absolutely. still like silver lining of it. When they go back to the table next year, they don't have to go back and fight for these things. Mm-hmm. You know, they these things are cemented already in their contract. They have to go back and fight for AI protections. And you're and right. Like, you're absolutely right. It, it it provides a lot more focus. This there is an advantage in the sense that like the union can over the next three years, like the entire union, can kind of come together against this. They have one thing to focus on, and they can focus on it. And they can make that both the angle that they take for saying, well, this is why we want to vote out the people who are at the top who allowed this to happen the first time. And this is the reason why we're going to want to fight for it next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can they can keep that momentum up for the next three years. And it's easier to say, like, we need to fight for this thing than we need to fight for these things, like a whole list. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a silver lining to that. You'd obviously want the victory to be here, but there there is there is at least something that they're able to stand on because of this contract right there's the you're absolutely right there's a lot of really great stuff that this contract was able to get um it's it, it the the criticism that i have most is just coming from the language that the upper echelon is, is saying like you know the kind of we'll get the next time language the um yeah. we trust that they'll do the right thing language all that sort of thing that's all wrong like it it it, it, it is just all wrong and 100 and you but you know you're absolutely right like the criticism of this contract aside, the silver lining was great stuff here. Great residuals, um, which is streaming residuals is a big thing. Um, AI protections are just, but like SAG has a history. Like someone, someone put this up there. 
SAG has a history of doing stuff like this with AI protections. Like when VHS was coming around, they didn't they didn't put in the contract, hey, we get we get residuals from that. When DVDs, Blu-rays, like all that sort of thing, mm. like they've constantly been behind the ball on a lot of things and had to come to it after the fact. This is what what this is what we were fighting. Like the streaming residuals things were supposed to be fought for in two thousand seven, but yeah. they but they weren't. Uh, but they, they, uh, the the WGA didn't get those, didn't get those, and so they had to fight for them. Now that's what AI has become for SAG-AFTRA. They're supposed to get them here, but now we're going to have to get them later on. And by that point, a lot of damage will have been done. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that's a shame, but it is, but it is what it is, and you know, you got to move on. Yeah. Um. I I think my my last thoughts on it are just um. You know. I, I hope that they can they can rally that kind of focus to take it on next time. But I also hope that like the legal battles about AI continue, um, mm-hmm. because I think I think funda- the fundamental law we all need in place that, that that just everybody should agree this should be a thing. It should it just has to be, is that if you're using AI, you have to stipulate you're using AI. Mm-hmm. That should that should just be a bare minimum. And this goes to like when we were talking about like why is this this is going into into law and like that it's being debated in the courts right now is because if you don't do that you can fake videos of public figures you can do all these extra stuff it should be a fundamental stipulation regardless of if it's for like public figure stuff or for actual art you have to say if you use ai right yeah like if you establish that then i think a lot of these problems become a lot less because like people can be more like oh that's ai art i don't want that right which i think the majority of people if they know won't (laughs) um and and i think that holds people more accountable right so uh fun fun fact we're we're actually ai generated so how dare you (laughs) it's part of the law i have to say so (laughs) that's that's if we were ai generated we'd we'd say so much more anti-woke hate shit (laughs) i just hold up my I just hold up my hand and it looks like it looks all wrong and mangled and things. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. We are we are three, usually four white nerdy dudes uh, talking about nerdy stuff are the algorithm of AI would say that we need to be talking about how much women suck when they're in our content and things like that. And we don't do that. That's how, you know, we're authentic because we are small. Hey, how about those women people? Did I do it? Right. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about it, that <laughs> probably is what ChatGTP would probably come up for us to say, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Sparks, there's a there there's some good news in the form of unionization that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, yeah. So we've been talking about like the animation unionization stuff for a while, um, and we've talked about the fact that uh uh warner brothers animation and cartoon network studios productions they've been uh unionizing that they that they they went and said like yes they voted and they said yes we want to unionize we need to be recognized we've talked about this before the the fact that they need to be recognized and like how the larger companies and studios can draw that out disney notably has still from like march i think has been drawing out like not unionizing walt disney studios animation which voted back in march and they haven't recognized them still to this date. Uh, so this has actually been a shorter timeline than that. Warner Brothers Discovery has finally agreed to voluntarily recognize Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios production workers seeking union representation with the Animation Guild. So they've said yes, which is a huge, huge win, especially like coming from the tent of Zaslav <laughs> and his bullshit, uh, that he decided not to drag out this fight. He just said, uh, 
you know what? Yeah, yeah, okay. You're union. Yeah, excellent. I excellent. never thought I would say the words, hey, Zaslav did something right. Well, let's be, and let's be clear. And that's the biggest caveat. There's like a huge asterisk there, but yeah. But let's be clear. Like how, this is not like Zaslav made this made this decision right, on his right. own. You know, there's a whole board, and and he might have been he might not have said yes, but he might have been outvoted. I, um, I I I think that might be knowing Zaslav's uh, background and his and his mountain of BS. You're probably right. He was just probably outvoted. There's but but this is a huge win. This is massive, massive victory. Um, uh, this is going to lead to them being able to more actively fight for better representation, better pay, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully, we we see that really blossom into something special for them, and that other animation places can follow suit. Um, it definitely puts more pressure on other groups like Disney to have to recognize their um, parties. Remember right, that they've got Walt Disney Animation Studios that's voted to unionize, and now the visual effects workers at Marvel Studios uh, have voted. So, like, Disney's ignoring both of them right now. Right. Uh, this this is going to put the pressure on. So this is a this is an absolute out-and-out out win. This is, just, this is just great news. Very happy yeah. about it. It's incredible. I'm really happy to see this happen. Um, more people within the union gives the union a lot more power. They've been talking about next year that IOTC and TAG, um, their contracts uh, are up next year, and we're hoping to see another strike like we saw here. Um, and it would be incredible if if TAG could come to the table, to that table, with more power uh, and, and finally start to fix some of the uh, the problems that have been plaguing their industry these past couple of years. They're pulling yeah, a Gandalf into two towers. Uh, obviously, as, like, the tide. <laughs> obviously, as massive fans of animation, we want our animation creators to be treated with the amount of respect and and pay that they are owed, and that hasn't happened for forever. Um, so this is a huge this is a huge victory. Um, uh, Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios, up until Zaslav started gutting everything they were doing, uh, they were very much at the core of Western animation, especially on television um it's so this is huge this is this is just great this is really really good i'm really excited about i'm really excited about what it can mean for the future of of our animation creations and it's it's just there's a lot of really lovely lovely people who have worked in warner brothers animation and cartoon network studios so i'm really happy that they are they're getting to be part of this now me too um okay well we'll see where that goes um we're, speaking of going, where should we go next in our discussion? Um, ben, real quick, do you do you want to talk a little bit on Unity laying off all those workers from Weta and everything? I haven't looked into it. This is actually the first I've heard of uh, I've heard of that, but it does make sense. Um, but we could touch on it real quick because I think that's more of a pause menu quarterly discussion. Sure. Well, in a sense, I mean, like, so Unity Unity purchased. <clears throat> uh, Weta, which is uh, uh, Peter Jackson's visual effects company, Weta FX, they purchased them in 2021, and they have now effectively shuttered them uh, huh? within two years. What? Yep. Uh, 265 employees whose jobs are related to that agreement are now being laid off. Um, they shut down the visual effects company that worked on Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's King Kong, 
and a slew of other films. An Academy Award-winning studio. Yep. So they purchased it in 2021, uh, and they are not there. They are saying that they are immediately laying off 265 employees right now, and then they're trying to find different places within Unity for everybody else, which totals uh, Weta VFX totaled about 7,000 employees before this happened. Okay, so there's some mis- there's some misinformation here actually. Oh, okay. Weta Digital and Weta FX are two different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, Weta FX is what um, Weta Weta Digital was purchased by Unity, and Weta oh. FX was not. So, yes, Unity has laid off all those people and shuttered with Weta Digital. Weta FX is trying to take those people back in, though. Uh, okay. So Unity is act- is saying no, we don't want them, and Weta FX is like we we'll take you guys back if we have room for you. Oh. My um, my bad, I misspoke there. So so Weta is still effectively around. It okay. it, it is still it is still a, a visual effects company. Uh, Weta Digital. I don't know the difference. I'm looking it up right now. Um, um, uh, I I know it's a it's a more recent change because of this 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 change. I know, but they are effectively two different companies at this point um but yeah it, it it's still really shitty because like you're losing <clears throat> it's, it's a lot of people losing their jobs <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's what the that, hell that's garbage that is and the thing is unity was already in hot water due to their like supposed uh contract or um like per download price increase which was put a lot of indie studios out of business because it yeah. was going to retroactively charge them for pa- for past downloads. It's not like, okay, for it's it's like all the downloads you ever made. So, of course, games like Cult of the Lamb that have, pardon the pun, have gathered a massive, somewhat cult-like following. I mean, hell, there's merch of Cult of the Lamb stuff at a hot topic. That's why, like, okay, cool, this game is in, air quotes, mainstream. It's a very popular game. Well, okay. and, and, it, and this goes back then yeah. to when we talked about that and we said that Unity had reversed a lot of that like polarizing decision stuff to make it less bad for indie developers. But as we said, like damage done, Unity showed its hand at how much it was going to... The fact that they even considered this means that mm-hmm. a whole bunch of developers are not going to work with Unity in the future. Yeah. Uh, um, and I do think like a lot of this comes from Unity being prepared for the fact that they're, they're going to lose a lot of business. because Yeah, they are. So, okay, so on November 9th, 2021, Jackson sold the company's VFX tools development division to video game software company Unity Technologies. Uh, Unity's acquired tech assets of Weta will be called Weta Digital. So um, Weta, so this was like the the people that were developing the VFX tools that Weta FX was using became Weta Digital under Unity. Uh, and uh-huh. then they kind of effectively had a partnership and now that's all that's all been dissolved. Uh, so, so Weta no longer has the the tools, the tool development arm partnership. Right. But they are right. still effectively a VFX company. Sure. Got it. Yeah, because you when well, you went to New Zealand, you went to them, didn't you, Brandon? I did. I went to see, yeah, Weta Weta it was it was an incredible experience. They are they are some of the best visual effects. Uh they're, they're probably the best visual effects uh company in the industry right now. That is well and Unity Unity had been a very impressive like Thing for developers to use to create games and uh it's just crazy to like have taken that on that much just two years ago and now turn it all away yeah. um but unity's I, like i said i think unity's like in a downward spiral now i don't i don't 
receive like we just had the game awards and there were a bunch of trailers there that said like made with unity and that kind of stuff and we're going to see a lot less of that in the future um actually because we were talking about uh, people being laid off i saw a clip i want to say it was from the golden joystick awards which was earlier this year um by earlier like last month i think in november um but uh <clears throat> sorry brain decided to, to to shut down for a hot second um ben star COVID. who voiced Clive Rossfeld in Final Fantasy 16. There was a clip that's of him that I saw on TikTok where an interviewer was asking him if 2023 was one of the best years in games. And he pulled one of the best moves ever where he acknowledged that the games were great, but instantly said the games industry has been horrible. Whereas... Mm-hmm. You have like the games that we've gotten are fantastic, but if you look at the industry as a whole, 2023 has been a horrible year with a bunch of layoffs. People mm-hmm. lost their job. He was going, I mean, he wasn't like going off. He was still in, the, in a professional tone, but he was like, yo, the games we got, I mean, yeah, we could all agree 2023 is one of the best video game years we've had in terms of finished products with the banger games that we've got. But then we get news like Unity. We get news of the layoffs at Bungie. We get news of all these other like Epic, horrific, Epic laid uh, off nine hundred yeah. people. Yeah, Epic, dude. That the, the them too. Like you hear news of all these game studios laying off their employees, and it's like it's like a horrible dark side, like other side of the coin, where it's like the games that we've got, fantastic. Other side, uh, it's like the gross underbelly. Union, yeah. union, 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 union. Thousands, thousands of people in the video game industry were laid off this year, and the Game Awards didn't talk about it for a moment. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Um. I, I, uh, so just kind of give give kind of a full picture of the of the Unity news real quickly. Um. Uh, this is what the article I'm reading says on November on 25th of November 2023, Unity and Weta FX mutually agreed to terminate Unity's service agreement with Weta FX effective December 10th, 2023. So today, um, this comes after Unity laying off the entire Weta digital staff and a company reset. Uh, Unit quote unquote. Unity will continue to own the software from the Weta digital acquisition, with Weta FX being able to continue using them. Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, but the Weta digital name and related intellectual property will be transferred back to Weta FX with no current plans to use the old Weta digital name. Weta FX will be extending offers to as many of the digital team as possible as it looks to expand its resource development and support uh, functions. So some some good news there, but it's still how many people can they really bring back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. 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 A lot of time, um, a, a lot of times this year. I mean, when we were talking about, like, when we were talking about uh, people taking over companies or certain other things, I and then news like this comes out where it's like, hey, they're actually really shitty. Uh, like, they just had they kept up a really good facade. The facade's crumbling now. I just feel like constantly that you and McGregor's Star Wars meme, where I was like, you were the chosen one. Like, so many people were talking about how good Unity was to get their games off the ground, and then they decide to pull this bullshit or even before before the Weta stuff, they decided like, hey, we deserve more money. And it's like, it's, you guys are already making bank. What's wrong with you? Oh, that's right, Corporate Greed. It's such a weird kind of phenomenon that's happened. Like, like Epic has a money-making machine in Fortnite. Like, oh, they're God, just yeah. printing money at that point. Um, they might as well just have their own printing press. And they still laid off 900 people. Like, you couldn't find the money to, to do that? And the answer, and the answer is most, is always um 
our, our CEO needed a bigger raise at Christmas. So where do you take it? You take it from the salaries of the people that you're going to fire. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really freaking shitty. It, it really is. Um, Oh, hey, yeah. Love and Monsters currently streaming on Netflix. I just got the notification. Check that movie out. It's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. The concept, the concept of exponential growth is is really toxic and terrible. And it's ruining it's ruining the arts industry. Yeah. It's ruining every industry. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was talking to a co-worker yesterday because I saw the trailer for Fortnite cross Lego. And I'm like, oh, which is so much fun. I'm I'm playing it on my own. Nice. Uh, sorry well, i know i just railed against epic but like the lego fortnite thing is just like i just made a sandbox to just like build shit it's so much fun no that's awesome that that's great uh what i was going at because i was talking to a coworker of mine last night and he said that fortnite is almost trying to become roblox because of all the different game modes that they have now it's not just battle royale anymore like you have all these you have creators creating their own thing their own yeah. games which is and good to, which is good to, to be fair as many people often forget, it was never just Battle Royale because there has right. always been a save the world versus an NPC campaign to Fortnite. It's just not the thing that's popular about Fortnite. Right. And I actually forgot that there was a save the world campaign. Everybody to Fortnite. does. Because <laughs> every time someone mentions Fortnite, I think of the Battle Royale. You know, do you know the, the nasty thing about it is that if we'd been Fortnite fans in the first year of its existence... We could earn V bucks playing Save the World. I want yeah. V bucks. I want yeah. that Frieza. Yeah, that Frieza skin that's coming. That looks great. Darn. Um, the the Ben, do you know what the Lego Fortnite thing is? It's basically Minecraft. Yeah, I was about to ask if it's just like building stuff. It's just like hundred percent building because, but it, since it's like Minecraft, so, okay, so, that makes sense. So a, a quick thing then is that it's it's essentially it's a different game mode, um, and. Mm -hmm. Uh, any player can build a world. Um, there are different environments to start in. You set all these rules and you can invite players to it. You can give them key codes to enter your world up to seven. Um, and you all are like building a village, uh, mining resources, encountering enemies, exploring the world. Um, it's just a whole side thing you get to do. And really uh, cool. uh, not all of your Lego, not all of your Fortnite skins, but most uh, you also have them in Lego form. That's I don't cool. have any, any, for any of my special ones. Any of my special ones aren't Lego because I don't. I have the. I have like the the very few that don't have Lego skins. Right. Uh, uh, Marvel and Star Wars characters. Almost all of them. Uh, yeah. Go up. Except for Ahsoka. Ahsoka doesn't have a Lego skin. I uh, give it time. I'm sure she will. I know. Um, I wanted that one though. There, there are certain ones I don't expect ever will, like the the anime characters. I don't expect sure. to ever see Legos of them. Um, uh, but most of the Fortnite originals that this is actually like, I like some of the Fortnite original character skins even more in Lego form than I do in their regular forms. And I'm like, oh shit, I might actually play some of these now. Um, it's I think it's a really cool thing, and I I just wanted to point out that like I think this is actually really smart how Epic's like uh using fortnite as a template to expand like bringing in elements from from other things so like your skins are shareable any skins you get in the future can be shareable and it'll let you know hey also this comes with a lego variant which gives you more incentive to purchase it um the turtles are coming soon and they have lego variants um so that's all really exciting and then like you've got the rocket league connection with the the mm -hmm. rocket racing uh so it's a lot of cool stuff there you know what you know what uh you know what epic owns that they could make a game mode out of 
Knockout City. Oh, oh I'm sorry. What, what did you say? Knockout City. Knockout City. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Sure. Cool. Uh, can you imagine making a Knockout City mode, please? I mean, tis tis to dream. Just yeah. All right. Anyway, um, uh, I I did have one other thing from from this last week, two weeks, whatever, that I'd like to briefly bring up, just because we are on YouTube, and we do the YouTube stuff. We do. And H Bomber guy killed a man, um, on <laughs> again. And uh, 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 James Somerton. We all uh, witnessed the murder. Uh, that that guy got blasted off the internet so hard. Um, you know about this, Ben, right? I mean, I know of H Bomber guy because of his video on the Oof sound effect, which just yeah, yeah, said. Yeah. I, yes, I, but, but you know I don't know about I, the James Somerton thing. No, I don't. Okay, so H Bomber guy's most recent video is a four-hour video, and the last two hours of it are entirely dedicated to him pointing out how everything that a, a very like popular uh, made a lot of money YouTuber named James Somerton um, as a like gay film critic kind of thing, uh, and that was like his angle. Um, he plagiarized like everything, literally everything was stolen from different articles and things never credited. All his video essays were stolen written work from other people and like mishmashed to zigzag over into each other. So like blending different paragraphs from things together. And like, he does a full breakdown on it. Um, within day, like two days, James Somerton destroyed his Patreon, destroyed his Twitter. Uh, all his videos are, were privatized and now they're gone from youtube um this guy has been blasted off the internet and i think it's wonderful because plagiarism is bad and nobody's yeah. policing it on youtube that you can especially of like these popular major video essayists that they can just one-to-one -one the hard work of other writers uh and no one's going to call them on it and they're thinking going to think man what an incentive insightful person this james somerton guy is and he's like using the work of six other very talented writers who did the research um and it's it's awful and it's shitty and it's definitely still happening in many other places on youtube but um this was a big big like blow to that plagiarism problem being so rampant mm, wow that's all i did i didn't know that but because uh, i it's saw so his good. video i saw the length i'm like oh that's a watch and i just put it to the side because i was like i wonder what's going on now now i know it's like okay i should probably make the time for that because that's uh that's nuts yeah, there's another one, the internet historian, who's not as rampant in his plagiarism, but it definitely exists that James Somerton like makes note of, but he definitely puts the focus on Somerton. So internet historian has kind of been put on notice kind of thing. Defenders of his are like rallying up like, no, no, no. Oh, no, but I like the internet historian. Shit. Well, guess yeah. what? So, like, uh, he probably plagiarizes a lot of his stuff. You know, you just you you never can tell, can you? Well, the thing is, like, and you think about it, and it's like, of course, because of course, this has been. Ha I, I think this is something everyone's known is happening without knowing who is doing it, because sure. the this is a wild, wild west where no one is monitoring it. Nobody's like protecting video essays to monitor that this is stolen written work. Nobody's nobody's really doing that. Nobody's doing the policing, and so like, which is, it's like. Uh, it's shitty and scummy, but then it's really bad when, like, you have people like James Somerton who's making, like, $100,000 a month right. off the work of other people that he just collabs, puts it all up in a video that he puts together, and then he makes $100,000. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I started freaking out a little bit internally because 
I mean, full little backstory. A while ago, like uh, earlier this year, I wrote an article for Fusion about like the history of the Sonic the Hedgehog comic books. But in the article, I mentioned Comic Drake's video about it because Comic Drake did this great. It's like a twenty-four minute long video. It's a he dove, he dives right into it. He looks up court documents, and in the article, I mentioned it's like, hey, Comic Drake did this amazing video about this topic. Go watch it, and. Because I did use a lot of video for like some of the finer points in it, but now I'm scared. It's like, oh shit! I didn't pull plagiarism and didn't think about it, did I? Because that's not plagiarism. I, yeah, you you you're you're just pointing to something else. Like you're not. If he's plagiarizing, that's one thing. You're not. You know. But because I'm like, I gave like, him credit because I I think I feel like I gave him credit, well, but at the same well, time, ben, like, well, Ben, it, it, like the thing is, like, you know plagiarism is taking is is taking other people's work and saying it's yours Mm -hmm. right and that's that's not what you that's there's no world in which you just described to me that that's what that is okay this is the thing is right like if james somerton put the video together but acknowledged that it was a put together and at least changed some of the words but like acknowledge that it was a put together of all these different articles that he pulled from right and linked to them and credited them so that they could go get their like you know, attention and credit that's due. Mm-hmm. This would be a different conversation. But James mm-hmm. Somerton just pretended that everything that they said is things he came up with. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plagiarism is bad. bad Don't do that. Literally, just about to say the same thing. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, why don't we keep it in the video game sphere and, and talk about some games that Ben wants to talk about? Yes, uh, two games in general. Now, of course, we all know the Game Awards happened last week. That's going to be a pause menu discussion, either the quarterly or we're just going to have our own episode about the Game Awards because I know Ryan's not here. I'll, I'll tell you just from talking with Ryan, we're probably not doing like a dedicated Game Awards episode. We'll, we, we'll probably cover some of it in the quarterly because I don't, Ruby. I don't think you and I have enough other things that we would talk about in the game awards i mean the only other thing besides the two games i'm going to talk about is visions of mana because i do love the, the mana series i'm a big fan of, i love secret i bought my snas mini because of secret of mana trials of mana was really fun for me so i'm excited about that but now i'm not talking about visions of mana i want to talk about two games in general one of them did not was was not released during the game awards or their trailer wasn't released and that is a game that so many gamers have been waiting for for years. We literally waited three console generations. Grand Theft Auto 6 had yep. their first trailer. And the thing I'm going to say about it is neat. And I am excited to go back to Vice City. Because GTA Vice City was a game, a very influential game for myself and my little younger brother. Not for the reasons you think, but because that game introduced us to some of the greatest 80s rock music I've ever heard in my life. What is what a what an interesting reason. It, yes, it, that's what I'm saying. It was the, I get there were times my brother would just play GTA Vice City just to drive around and we could listen like um David Lee Ross Yankee Rose, um Quiet Right It's Come On Feel the Noise. Those songs were our favorites. And of course, uh Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. Oh man, we were rocking out so hard back in the day, and yeah. you know, it look the game. Um, the game itself, it's Rockstar. It looks pretty. This is just a pre-rendered story trailer. We haven't got any gameplay news. Honestly, this game looks great. I'm not well, a big I mean, like, Grand Theft. 
who who knows, right? Yeah. Because as you said, it's a story trailer. So yeah, I mean, it looks cool. All the the like the mainline number GTAs, they have pushed the envelope in some way, shape, or form. I mean, once we get more trailers coming out, and once new modes are like, because the thing about Grand Theft Auto is it's an entire sandbox. Yeah, who knows? And this is coming out for new for for PS5, Xbox, PC. Who knows how big um this is going to be? Like we got hints that you're probably going to wrangle gators. If people saw talk about how this is the most Florida man video game probably ever made. Well, so uh notably like there's a whole montage of like people all around different places in the trailer. Mm-hmm. All of those are real videos from something in Florida that has now been created for the, like the game's context, but Makes like, sense. they're all referencing something real. Like someone did the breakdown. They're like, it's this video, it's yeah. this video, it's this video. <laughs> like they're all just like things that do happen in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's very clever. Like they're, they're, they're really building like the, the, the ambiance of like, this is Florida. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, man. The, uh, so that's that's cool what i will say is like i'm not a grand theft auto person i never have been mm-hmm. um it's no slight it's just uh it's just never been appealing to me um i do appreciate as many people don't uh the the focus on lucia mm-hmm. as the main as our our main character um i think that's something that's been sorely needed in grand theft auto and like it's it's one trailer it's really hard to judge off of this trailer mm-hmm um, but it feels like there's there's something in the air about it that feels like it wants to be more I'm trying to think of the best way to word this more <laughs> considerate of the perspective of a uh, different races and b different genders mm-hmm. uh, in its portrayal then and this isn't me saying like oh the previous ones have been bad but the previous ones are of their time right and yeah, like especially... they just they just are they are the thing of their time <laughs> and they know what they're advertising for that time period and this looks like a grand theft auto correctly made for the current era and the current era is more considerate and more forward thinking right. in representation than we could have been at the time which is not again not the games of that time period's fault but as you pointed out we are a long long way down the generations away yeah. from the previous grand theft auto yeah even when we're looking at like i was trying to think back on grand theft auto 5 because i have seen some other content creators they talk about the air i'm putting in the biggest air quotes here outrage over lucia which sure. i think is some of the biggest bs ever because it's like obviously you guys those guys are absolute are just like they're friggin' stupid because not only that because they can't they're, they're playing the stupid w word and it's like gta for a while especially even if you look at gta 5 it's always been like that sure like if you're playing or going because gta 5 that's like the one grant that thought of where i have played from beginning to end like i completed the story i did a whole like i devoted time to it it wasn't like where I would watch my brother in Vice City or San Andreas because I didn't like learn. I wasn't, I would watch him play. I tried playing the games, didn't really click for me until GTA 5. After you make big story missions, you, you're driving around, you hear like a news flash on your car that says Weasel News. And it's like, this is Fox News. They're satiring Fox News. And even the tagline in GTA 5 is Weasel News confirming your prejudices. It's like, yeah, this is 100% satire. They are making fun 
of a, a bunch of things that a lot of Americans unfortunately hold dear. And it's like, yeah, I get it. I 100 yeah. get it. this is all this is satire. They are making fun. They're pointing out how bad things are. And it's like that's unfortunately real life for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And I and I think that's valuable about like the Grand Theft Auto games. And I, I know that's something that they've done before. And and I think that what's great is like I think this is one this is one that can be even more thoughtful in its satire mm-hmm. than those ones were allowed to be. Again, yeah. that's just the time period. It's just yeah. it's just time, it's just access to information, it's just diversity of representation. Things are different. And mm-hmm. so there's more voices in the room. There's more, there's more knowledge to be shared. Uh, and I think that's great. So there's yeah. a lot of potential, I think, for this to be really cool for there. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I know I've been talking about how I said this game looks neat. Grand Theft Auto has always been one of those games where mm-hmm. I feel like five was a special one because of how when it came out it was just it was a weird weird part of my life my brother gifted me the game and then when i got my ps4 i bought the ps4 copy but eventually i sold it because i'm like i never got play grand after i beat the story i don't go back to it i never i tried gta online for like two minutes never went back to it sure um but even i won't lie in saying that i'm a little bit excited slash interested in gta 6 mostly because of most of the locale really and i know this isn't like the original vice city for the ps2 where that was set in the 80s mm-hmm. it was miami 80s 80s miami is a vibe but this is like more modern um air quotes miami setting but you have like the grant of the thing about grand theft auto and rockstar is created when they create like these three cities liberty cities new york sandra los santos la and vice cities miami a lot of people hack a lot of fans have been clamoring to go back to vice city because you know they miss it and they're delivering. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. We're going back to a city that a lot of people really enjoy. It's going to be modernized for next gen. The map is going to be ginormous. It's going to be freaking huge. Um, I'm still excited to see what Rockstar is going to come out and say say about it. Am I going to buy this game day one? Probably not. But if th- somehow the game does <clears throat> fall into my hands or fall into my lap, I'm going to play it and I'm probably going to enjoy it. And holy crap, Brandon, look who's in the chat. Oh, hi, Mag. 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 It's been so long. It has been forever, bud. Oh, my God. And Mag, Mag actually. Mag, I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm all yeah. about that Jet Set Radio. I was going to talk about that during the quarterly, honestly, because that was one of the excited. I'm excited. I Sega's doing quick, quick, uh, quick side note going away from GTA 6. During the game, ben, Sega announces like, "Hey, we're reviving a bunch of old uh, IPs, and Jet Set Radio is one of them." Then look, it's great that like all those IPs are listed, and that's awesome, and I'm excited that Sega's doing that. But the anger inside of me that Power Stone isn't on that list. Yeah, yeah. Although, to be fair, Power I know Stone that's Capcom. That's Capcom. Yellow Capcom. I mean, so yeah, that was on the Sega system, but that that's Capcom's BS. It's it's both of them. Let's be honest. Yeah, it, it is a probably mix of both of them. But I hundred percent agree with you right there, Sparks. Um, Capcom needs to get on the shit. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, uh, I, I I'm glad what they're I like what they're doing with the Resident Evil games. I want to get by the new Resident Evil Four remake because it looks so good. It's my favorite Resident Evil game. I but, still I still want to play the new uh, Bomb Rush Cyber Funk, which came out this year, which is like a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio. Still want to check that game out. 
But not yeah. only that, we're getting new Golden Axe. And cra- yeah. actually, Crazy Taxi was one that got me hyped. I'm not gonna lie. Like, that, I, that looked good. That looked good. There, we'll do this another time. We um, will. We will. We will. Um, let's let's talk about your other uh, video game trailer, Ben. Uh, yeah. Fine. So during, of course, Game Awards, a lot of trailers come out. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth had a new trailer. Give it to me. Oh, oh my God! It looks so pretty. Um, yeah. Uh, so many things, play? so many things were confirmed for me in this trailer because I was all nervous and I was scared what they're going to do. Now, I'll, look, I've I've talked about this to death before on on prior shows, but when they said, "Hey, we're going to reach these out in installments," Final Fantasy VII remake is essentially the first five is like the first four hours of the original Final Fantasy VII. People were like, "OMG, that's only to Midgar. How are you going to make a full ass game out of it?" Surprise, surprise, they did. It was amazing. I loved it. It's a fantastic game. They like would play again. The fact that they are now going by the looks of it to the end of the original disc one, where I would argue a lot of really very important story beats happen in disc one. And we're because we're not only just getting Vincent Valentine, we're getting Sid, we're getting Yuffie as part of the party. I am, I am so excited to see what's happening. And we're getting, we got more with Zach. We got more with Wedge. Um, oh, I'm just, it's, it's such a power move. Like, really, to be like, we're taking the original Final Fantasy seven, seven, and we're making multiple full games out of yeah. it. I like, think they, they can, still said, can three. you think of, can you think of any movie, game, series, whatever? That are just like, hey, you know this thing that was pretty long at the time, but now is comparatively pretty short. We're gonna make it a lot longer, a lot longer, and like have like that work. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a fair point. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like those books are pretty long, and the but those those are the, the original theatrical cuts of those movies are. Pretty digestible, but those extended cuts, baby. I Boy. mean, yeah. They add yeah, that last movie on. is an extra hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. That that last movie is a marathon. Um, but yeah, FF7 Rebirth looks it looks fantastic. I am I finally got as you guys know, I finally got Final Fantasy 16. I'm playing it, it's I'm loving it, I'm having so much fun with it, and now seeing the even seeing some gameplay footage from Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, there, I, there's this list. Whoever's doing the social media for FF7 Rebirth, give them a raise because they somehow maybe want to buy the game even more. Because in the game, there's this cute little chocobo chicks, you know, the giant birds. They have the little baby versions of them, and you get to pet them, and it's adorable. And I'm like, God damn it, I want to pet the chocobos. Give me chocobos. I'm trying to I'm excited for you. I'm excited for Ryan. I'm excited to one day when I'm 43 play the Final <laughs> Fantasy 7 games myself. <laughs> By the time that happens, all of them are like remastered for like is... PlayStation 7. Yeah, your kid is 10. My what? Your kid will be 10. I actually haven't talked about the fact that I'm having a kid on this podcast before. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! 
I guess I could have played that off <laughs> and been like, yeah, my theoretical child. Well, who cares? Yeah, I uh, uh, yeah, I'm having a kid, everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this Sparks is an interesting way bad. to find out. Man, I, you shouldn't tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. All right. Anyway, um, um, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Let's so go. the reason why I wanted I wanted to highlight the trailer is because this essentially you now, like with remake, we could we can only assume that they're expanding more of the story. They've rewritten it because you know they remade Final Fantasy VII or part of it and what we know from the original games it's it's gonna be or from the original game to this one it's gonna be different a lot of stuff is gonna be in the same vein but there will be different story beats and i'm excited for how they're gonna change it up and and twist around that's not a one for one which i'm really glad about um i'm just i'm excited i'm excited for what's gonna happen I have some people have been I don't want to say complain, but they've just expressed a, a form of disappointment where Vincent Valentine isn't like a controllable character like Tifa, Barrett, Aerith, and uh, Red Thirteen are going to be. He's going to sure. be more like what Red was at the end of the game, where he's part of your party, but he's essentially there to help with support, essentially. But either way. The fact that we're getting the rest, the entirety of disc one in these two discs means that this game is beefy. This sucker is going to push the PS5 to its probably to its limit and maybe more and and then some. So I'm I mean, I was always excited for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Now I'm triply excited, not just for to get to pet a Chocobo. But because of the combat, because of how the game looks, um, I I love Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I cannot wait to dive into this one. This one is like just just put it in my veins already. Just give me, just give it to me already. Actually, no. Saving that money. Um, don't, yeah, exactly. Uh, don't give it to me already. Wait till the game's done. Make sure it's polished because I won't lie. Final Fantasy VII Remake was very well polished. It had very small amount of bugs. I'm like. Good on you, Square. Do it again. Don't give it to us until it's a hundred percent ready. Sure, Ben. Yeah, I want to talk about another game with you. Okay. Future Basement Arcade, uh, Spooktober. Ooh, oh, no. ooh. Jurassic Park Survive. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I uh, I'm not one for survival games. Um, they're fun. Uh, they're fun to watch. They're very stressful to play. Um, they're just not the games that I find enjoyment in. But I cannot lie that to do it in a Jurassic Park setting, set after the first movie. Oh boy, that's you would... that's playing on something I didn't know I needed. After Alien Isolation, you would think. That we would get a lot more games like it. This is perfect. Oh, this is a perfect setting. It's right after all the dinosaurs are loose. The, I yeah, you know what? And and they found a way to keep a raptor in the game by yes. making it so that the frozen one escaped. Yeah. Right? Because oh. if if they didn't, then there's no raptors in the game, and that's kind mm -hmm. of boring, honestly. Right. Yeah, because they all got eaten by uh by Rexy. Yeah. Um, um 
that T-Rex at the end of that, that looks good. I know it's all pre-rendered footage, just not there's a, there's some in-game alpha in the in the trailer, but a lot of it is pre-rendered and it looks mm-hmm. it looks pretty good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. No, just the fact that it's a survival horror dinosaur Jurassic Park game. It's one of those things that's like, why have we not thought of this before? Yeah. Because and that's I really, perfect. I really hope that you do have at least one sequence where you can try and stay perfectly still. Yeah, right? Just <laughs> have a mini game where you're just absolutely motionless. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, and you could like you could like um tie it to the haptic controller. So if you're if you're like shaking, you like move you start moving in the in the controller. Uh yeah. that'd be That'd be cool. Oh. Just like I'm gonna set the shit down on the table and like, but if you, if it's perfectly still, it considers that cheating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that would be great. Um, also, this great comment from Mag: um, "Life finds a way in video games." Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I think I think it looks ahead. really good. I think that uh, it it's very exciting. Um, the idea of doing this, I think there's been a lot of desire, and I think they're relatively aware of this because of the, like the the person who was creating the Jurassic Park game in Dreams that they had to uh, take all the Jurassic Parkness out of it because Universal was yeah. like, stop. I don't want I don't want to see it as Jurassic Park. So they had to change it. Um, but it was really cool. And a lot of people were responding to that because I think a lot of people want uh, uh, like in the time period of Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park game again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, not just a arcade shooter because I feel like a lot of Jurassic Park game or not a lot of Jurassic Park games. It's either a build your own park or arcade action pew pew pew. Well, sure. making a Jurassic Park game is really difficult. Um, it's it, the, there's a reason why the Telltale game is really well is really well well respected because that's um, because Jurassic Park isn't an outright adventure film. It's not a it's not a it's not a film where its characters are action heroes that shoot a bunch of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. But to make a video game out of that, it's very difficult because like how how do you um so a lot of jurassic park games historically have added shooter um shooter elements to them i think Um, i think there's a lot of desire just as you referenced with the telltale game that there's just there's a lot of people who want to play a game where you get to just explore the aesthetics of jurassic park yeah Mm -hmm. um and like you don't need to do a lot beyond that like create the aesthetics give them something to do whether that's like suspense horror or like some kind of tasks or something um but but people just want to explore that aesthetic and feel like they can be immersed in that aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, and, and this looks like a great way of doing it. Yeah. I'm I'm I was always turned off by Jurassic Park games because they're all, you know, you play as Alan Grant shooting a bunch of dinosaurs or you play as a weird dude in a uh, mech suit and a little like uh, a little like Master Chief shoot, uh, suit during the events of Jurassic Park three. Um, if you guys remember <laughs> that computer game, um, I do. And so like, so like those are kind of fun, but like, those aren't the kind of games. So the Telltale game was a lot of fun for me because you get to play in the world of Jurassic Park just after the events of the movie. Um, and that's why this appeals to me because like, if you are to make a Jurassic Park game, I feel like this is the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Jurassic Park park builders have their place. I think it makes a lot of sense to have oh, yeah. those. Um, I was a big fan of Operation Genesis, which was the original one of those. And then obviously we have the Jurassic World Evolutions, which like, the thing I like about Operation Genesis is it's still in the classic Jurassic Park aesthetic, which I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be remiss to not mention that Chaos Island is my number one Jurassic Park game to this day. Um, this was a Lost World based game where you uh, played through essentially the story of Lost World, except it ex- expanded on it where like you could hatch and grow 
um uh it's very uh you know conquer the map kind of gameplay uh you set up your base and you and you hatch and grow dinosaurs and by hatching and growing the dinosaurs the dinosaurs are your dinosaurs so they'll go do things for you so they essentially become your units and you go and fight the hunters who also can hatch and grow dinosaurs yeah i do remember this i i loved it and you had full voice acting from the cast so you you got jeff goldblum and uh uh vince vaughn and everybody doing the voices for it it was it's a charming little game that's fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. If we're reminiscing about our favorite Jurassic Park games, I it is an arcade shooter. It's not the Lost World Jurassic Park. It's the original 16-bit Sega Genesis, or not Sega Genesis, Sega arcade cabinet that you would find at Chuck E. Cheese. Sure, sure. That was an arcade okay. shooter. It was an arcade shooter, but it was fun. And I will never, like the first level, the end of the first level is always you getting chased by the T-Rex. Yeah. And it was, it, yeah. Although there was one time where my brother and I actually beat it, and it wasn't like beat it by we just punched a put it in a bunch of quarters. But there was like a little cheat because there's this rope bridge that you go that you go across, and the T Rex is following you. If you shoot the rope, the T Rex will fall off the bridge, and you beat the level like instantly. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I remember it. I haven't never been able to find that um, arcade shooter shooter ever again. It's been what almost oh god, it's been over twenty five years. Shit. But uh. like as far as like modern like triple A games, like if you're making a Jurassic Park game now, like I wouldn't want a game like that. No, um, no, no. Obviously no. Like I, I don't like I just don't see how you make a game about, like it's this kind of the same problem that like you make a Godzilla game these days. Mm-hmm. Like remember the PS4 Godzilla game where it's yeah. like the two bumper the two bumper controls were his stiff were his left and right foot and uh. like that's not but you're trying to do something and you're trying to kind of emulate what these, but you're, you're missing the mark uh, mm-hmm. because just by the very nature, some things just can't be turned into like a video game respectfully. But this is the really good way to do it of like, you know, what is, what is the essence of Jurassic Park survival? That is mm-hmm. about these people trying to survive this Island and get off of it. So let's just do that. Let's make a survival game where you are someone trying to get off the Island. Yeah. And I'm excited for it. I'm really, I'm like, I'm legitimately really excited for it. Me um, too. Ben, you're close to your heart out. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up? One other quick thing, because the originally I had a thing that was I was hoping to spark a conversation, but I'll I'll just put a pin in that and bring up another day. But well, one more curious. Oh, it was um because I started playing Chrono Trigger while I was sick with Coda for a third time, uh-huh. and I wanted to ask you because since it's an older game, and I was scared that of, Essentially, the question was, when you approach a property, be it a game, a book, or a movie, that everyone that you've never encountered with before, and everyone else says it's great, do you try Do you try to see why it's great, or do you just put all the outside influence away and just enjoy, and just try and just um, consume it as you normally would? And like, does does the I, essentially it's 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 like it does the outside influence help, or does it not, or does it not help? Yeah, let's put let's put a pin in that and talk yeah, about yeah. it. Uh, last thing, yeah, last thing I will talk about though, and is another is another video game thing because over over this past week, um, PlayStation president I think Jim Ryan or Jeff Ryan I can't remember which, he got a retirement present because he's retiring as CEO from Sony in March or in spring I should say, and his going away present was essentially a PlayStation Five in the same color scheme and the same box design 
as the original PlayStation, because next year, PlayStation will be celebrating its 30th anniversary. It came out in 1994 in Japan. And the internet, and of course, that picture of it, which was the, the PlayStation 5 controller in the original color scheme, the original color buttons, the original color PlayStation logo, all the cool stuff. The internet goes wild with absolute jealousy because we want that shit. Right. Part of me feels that this was PlayStation testing the waters a little bit, seeing how bad do people want this. And since the reception has been, as far as I can see, we want it. They're going to make plates. They might make special edition PS5s. But the thing that I really want is the controller. Is a 30th anniversary controller in the style of the original PlayStation or maybe the PlayStation 2 since they did that for the 20 toward the 20th anniversary when the PS4 was a big thing. Oh, the hopes of your little nostalgia bitch's heart. Yes, yes, I am nostalgia's <laughs> bitch. I will wear that moniker till the day I die because just look, I I I am not a this is going to sound weird. I like color in my controllers. No, that doesn't I, sound weird. I have definitely thought about I have definitely thought about this is just a random thought when I was at work the other day where I like color in my controllers. One like even as much as I love the Super Nintendo, um the Super Nintendo that we got, you know, classic system, absolutely adorable. But the color scheme of the Super Famicom and the Super Nintendo that was released in Japan and in Europe has this great color scheme and the buttons, this is my Game Boy Advance, but yeah. The buttons are different colors sure. and i'm like i like our purple don't get me wrong i will always have a love and nostalgia for it but i want the color and even when the ps5 did was released and they said here's the controller there's not a lot of color on that controller besides the the, the light bar and i'm like i want color I no, just, I mean, you know, they have variant controllers that have color. Yeah, they do have variant controllers, but I'm talking about different colors on, like, the button faces. And even the PlayStation logo with the multicolor, like, the original red, green, yellow, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want that. I, I, I don't want just a solid color. I want multiple. Sure. And I'm, and yeah, I, this is me grasping at straws. This is me, like, hoping the biggest hope and obviously it's going to be a big money maker for Sony because they're yes. going to release it and people are going to buy it. I'm going to be one of them, even though I just want the controller because if they do come out with different plates to change your color of your PS5, my PS5 isn't really displayed in a way that I can enjoy it. But at least I'll have a controller that it looks like the original PlayStation 1. And because as someone who grew up with the PS1, it pulls up my heartstrings and it's like, I want that. Sure. Uh, well, I guess we know Ben's Christmas wish this year. Um, <laughs> ben, uh, you know what? They, they, yeah, might as well. If they only release it as a bundle, so like you have to buy a new PS5 to get all those aesthetics, and that's the only way to get it. Do you do it? No. I don't have the okay, money for good it. Boy. Good boy. Good boy, Ben. Oh, that's God. That's right. Don't give as... in to sinister capitalism. No, 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 no. But thankfully, and this is where I will definitely give Sony credit, because Sony has done this before for the 20th anniversary. They have released 20th anniversary edition PS4s that are in the same gray as the original PS1, like the same yeah, yeah. gray color scheme and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But they knew that people aren't going to buy a new console, so they also released a controller. When I sold my PS4 
with all my controllers and all my accessories, people, some of the places when I was trying to sell it, they were like, I don't want the console, but I want the controller because it's the 20th mm-hmm. anniversary controller. And that actually helped me get a little more uh, green for it. Um, so, and even then, because yes, they probably will make this a limited edition run. But unlike Nintendo, who was notorious for having very short production windows, Sony doesn't have that limitation. And even when they first re- released, it might be it might be gone for a while, but just give it some time. They restock. And then once the if you see a controller on sale, that's when Sony will stop. At least that is my um, that is my interpretation or not my interpretation. That is my hypothesis, because I do remember seeing 20th anniversary PlayStation 4 controllers on sale at Target. Not I mean, they had there was a healthy amount at the store. So knowing Sony and their background when they do stuff like this. It was like it is a quote unquote limited edition, but it's not too limited that people who do want it, me, won't be sure. able to get it. Right. Maybe we'll see if it's the same this time if they even do it. <clears throat> yeah, and of course this is all hundred percent hypothetical because when they released that picture, the internet went crazy, and I'm like, give it to me, and I just yeah. want one controller. I will. I I can save up, and I'm willing to spend seventy dollars for a new Dual Sense controller. That's all I want. Uh-huh. Sure. I'm not gonna I'm honest to good is not gonna get like the, the plates or anything. I just want the controller because where my because where my PS5 is, I can't properly display it. So it'd be a moot point to to do it. Oh uh, sure. Yeah. Well, PS5s never move either. So like, you know, you're right. Yeah. All right, Ben. Shall we say goodbye? Yeah, I gotta go get some food before I record for uh D and Dark, but Anyways, you guys have a great rest of the show. Mag, it was great to see you. Mitt, always a pleasure to see you as well, and everyone else in the chat who has been here. Um, where can you guys find me? Well, you can find me on the internet at benmagna 27 on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok. I know when I was sick, I should have been posting a whole bunch of stuff, but I just wanted to be in a, like a little cocoon and my little bundle and watch my shows, try to catch up, and just try to recover. But I'm all better now. I, I survived a third time. Woohoo! I am three for I'm three and zero oh fighting COVID. So yay! <laughs> get your booster. Yeah, I need to get another booster. I I'm I thought I was all up, but if there's like another thing, I should definitely do there's that. There's a new booster. There's new booster available to us as of late October. Yeah, I have to talk with the uh, people at Kaiser to see when I can get because you know I just recovered, so I don't know if getting the booster would help me or hinder me. But sure. I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. I need to talk to things. But anyways, yeah. And you can find me there. I'm also writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gamer Magazine, GoNintendo.com. And of course, like I said, I play Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. Link to the uh, link to the show is down below. And also Dean Dark has a Patreon. So you can if you join the Patreon, you can listen to our bonus campaigns like Call of Cthulhu Doo, where I play Shaggy Rogers. It's fun. It's a fun time. It really is a fun time. And Sparks, let me know when you listen to that. Um, when you listen to that finale, because I think you're going to like it a whole lot. Sure. Sure thing. <coughs> but yeah. Anyways, see you later, guys. Mag, bye. bye Have ben. a great show. Bye. Hope bye. you find your dad. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, damn it. I just. Damn it, Sparks. <laughs> Me too, Ben. Me too. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs>
Brandon Sparks. I'm so sorry. I did not mean it like that. But also this is a joke. You're fine. You're fine. For context, <laughs> both of our dads are dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to quote Elf. And I, you know. Know what I know. I know what you're doing. It's just funny. <sighs> all right. All right bye, Ben. Bye, guys. Bye, Ben. Um, all right. So let's move into something else. Uh, GXK. Sure, we can start there for sure. Let's do it. I'm not uh we were originally gonna talk about the House of the Dragon trailer, but like you're not watching it, and Ben and Ryan are far more enthusiastic about it than I am. Like I'm excited about it, but like if you ask me, I would just say, like, yeah, it looks like exactly the next season of the show we watched in season one. Um, which I'm excited for, but there's not a lot I have to dive into or talk about yeah. about it. So I'm not gonna do that. Uh maybe Ben and Ryan will talk about it at a future date. Um obviously we'll talk about the show, but <sighs> Sorry. So side tangent cool. there. Let's let's uh uh Godzilla X Kong. Let's do it. Yeah, so the first trailer for Godzilla X Kong, the new empire dropped, and uh it looks like a lot of fun. There were a lot of rumors uh and, and leaks coming out about Godzilla design change before yeah. the trailer dropped. Um and then like slight confirmations. I think there was a t-shirt that got leaked out that really showed the design. Oh, there was a toy uh, also. The toy, but like there was like a, people arguing about whether the toy was legit or not. The mm -hmm. shirt was like mimicking a style of a Kong shirt we already knew was legitimate. So I was like, mm -hmm. that, that seems real. Um, mm -hmm. How do you uh, let's start there? How do you feel about Godzilla's Godzilla's new design? You know, I think it's a bit much um, because there's I like I don't like the hot pink. It's everywhere. Like it's in his arm too. It's like he's got yeah, crystals yeah. coming out of his arm. And like I was never such a big fan of the um solid color Godzilla design because like historically speaking his his um dorsal plates have never been the same color as him. Uh they've always Are kind you of had like, like uh, the the previous monsterverse iterations. Yeah. Gotcha. Um so like, you know, his, his dorsal plates have always kind of had like silver attached to the edges of them to kind of yeah. uh, create the city. And like, that's, I kind of preferred that. I was never really that big of a fan of, of that. And so like, they really overcorrected <laughs> with this design, um, that design mistake, which I think is funny. I um, I quite like the the pink. Um, yeah. I, I It's one of my favorite things about the, the Millennium design. Uh, era is is a bit of pink. I think pink actually goes quite well on Godzilla. Mm -hmm. um, and for uh, our colorblind I, for our colorblind viewers, uh, where is the pink on Godzilla in the Millennium Era? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Godzilla 2000 in the Millennium Era, there's pink in his spines. It's just not quite as um, just as it's like silver tipped. It's like pink tipped. So like the core of it is like darker, but where it gets lighter on the tips of the spines, that's a pink color. How interesting. Never knew that. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is not necessarily new. Um, I think it's most noticeable in Megaguirus. Um, that's where I think that that particular one, he's the greenest Godzilla ever is. Mm -hmm. uh, and pink. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. I kind of like it. Um, frankly, I, I actually could do with him being just a little bit greener, not full green, but just a little bit greener here to go with the pink. Uh, but I really like the pink. Um, I'm, I think, I think we're far enough that we were due for a real radical design change in the mm -hmm. MonsterVerse. Um, this is maybe not the way I would have thought we were going to go, but I don't dislike it. Yeah, it's such an interesting, um, 
idea. So like we we see Godzilla in this, he's like evolving, like something's happening to him that he's kind of like uh, in this kind of cocoon. Yeah, uh, that he and he appears as this new form. It's a really interesting idea. I'd have I have to I am not opposed to it. It's kind of one of those things where I'm like. You know, I really got to see it in, in, in the film full. Um, it I, I, I do have the opinion of this moment that it's a lot. It's a it's a lot happening on Godzilla right now. He's a he's a this is a very busy design for him now. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but I you know just wait and see. You know, yeah, I I think uh, I think because we've there's obviously been some changes, but they've all been very subtle and yeah. small. Um, his spi- over not- notably, his spine changes from the end of Godzilla 2014 to King of the Monsters. Yeah, um, it, and I, I think those have all been like okay. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think going in a really radical direction, like if you're going to do a change, do it, do it, do it in a big noticeable way. Um, and I think, like you know, obviously, there's people have talked about there's some there's some slimming of him. Um, yeah. I don't think that was as necessary uh, personally. Like uh, I, I, I was never anti, as people will say, chubby Godzilla. Um, yeah. I never uh, saw him as chubby. Yeah. I mean, like I, I get where it's coming from. I just, I, I was never anti that, that appearance, but like, I, I'm also not too mad about this. I think the core yeah. of like this design is still the monster versus Godzilla. It's still recognizably him. Um <clears throat> I, I I quite like I I quite like the color. I think it's I think it's striking. I think it's something that's new a, and exciting. That's what I'm that's what I'm most excited about with like GXK. Like just there's so much color in yeah. this movie. Um it's what I really like about GBK. Um yeah. how it's very vibrant in its colors. Um and we're getting that even I think even more so in this film. Um right. that I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the things is where I'm like and I think, like, just as people who are very familiar with Godzilla, we're not we're not new to Godzilla's design radically shifting, right? Um, and like changing up, even as it is the same era of Godzilla, um, the design might shift. Right. And this, like, I I'm sure this this will be cool to see in this movie, and maybe it'll carry over into the next movie, and maybe it'll change again. Like, I, whatever. Uh, I like Mag's comment in 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 here. Um, I forgot I had to pull it up. Um, curious if it's a special ability, like one he can magnetize or other. Um, I don't think this is the case, but it'd be freaking hilarious if this is at the end of the film. He just breathes out and he changes his back, like it's a Super Saiyan design. I I wouldn't. I'm sure it has shifted his ability set to some extent because usually when something this radical happens uh godzilla himself is affected by it right. but um like i said like there's there's obviously a lot to to kind of learn about why is it happening the cocooning as you were talking about all that kind of stuff um i'm interested in what that means where it's going uh obviously we get like a uh popping out of the ice here feels like a nod to the original godzilla versus kong yes um uh which is cute um i how do you feel about the rest of it well, real quickly, one last thing. Let's get it clear. It's not Barbenheimer. It is Super Saiyan Rose Godzilla. Let's be clear. I, that is what this is. I saw you tweet that, and I'm like, hey, that's that's cool and all. I quite like Barbenheimer, personally. I get it, but you're wrong. 
Um, I like I like Barbenheimer Godzilla just because it keeps the atomic bomb stuff present. I get it, but this is so clearly Super Saiyan Rose. I um, he's Super sure. Saiyan. I'm just saying. All right, I'm actually not. I don't give a shit. Um, the the rest of it. Um, so there's something that I must confess. Um, again, which is something that I that is not a confession. It is something that I've been saying many many times over the years. Uh, for me, the most interesting character in the Jurassic World franchise is Blue. Um, I think he is a character with far more um, with far more happening, uh, far more um, interesting character she? development. What? She. She. Sorry. Thank you. Um, I think I think Blue is a is a character that has uh, far more interesting character development of uh, far uh, far more um, uh, interesting. It's just that's more interesting to me. What this film has, what 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 Adam Wingard has talked about is that this film is very um, anthropomorphic in which and and how it um, treats Godzilla and Kong. There's um, and you see it in GVK also that there's you can kind of see the two of them communicating um, yeah. by the way the film is uh, is structured and, and shot and how and their reactions to each other. And there's more. Supposedly there's more of that in here, and that's got me really interested because I. I quite like making like Godzilla and Kong the main characters of the film, right? Like that sure. that's what I mean that's what that is. That's the the monsterverse films have wholly abandoned the idea that human characters are important and have centered on Godzilla and Kong. And Well, well this this part of the monsterverse right now cuz Monarch's over there saying like human characters matter. That's why I said films. Um, sure, sure. But yes. Um, so like Godzilla and Kong being the main characters, I'm actually really interested to see what where that goes. So that stuff has really has me really engaged with like Kong and the Scar King and this little, little tiny baby orangutan. Um, or not, not an orangutan. Um, I don't know what that is. Um, but he... Um, and then we see like a lot of other of Kong species who we, we thought were dead, still he alive somewhere. The, the baby you're bringing up looks like a mix between a orangutan and gorilla. Like he's got the orange orangutan fur, but he's got yeah. gorilla-esque face. And the other thing is, I'm actually really happy to see Gia again, because I think as as much as I say the characters clearly don't matter in, in the Wingard Monsterverse films, uh, Gia is a really compelling character uh, in GVK. And I'm really happy to see her return uh, in this film. Yeah, I think it would be I think it would be a bummer to not have her. Um, yeah uh her connection to kong is really special um i'm i'm not anti centralizing like kong in these movies and like mm -hmm. godzilla is like a secondary like the additional um uh, just because like kong becomes relatable protagonist kind of thing yeah kong's the um, underdog we want to root we were we root for him well and like you know i think i think wingard has been working on it but like godzilla Godzilla doesn't have personality the same way that Kong does. Right. Um, I think it's there, but like Kong's is much more present and communicable mm -hmm. uh, in, in all his films. Whereas like Godzilla, what I would say is like Wingard is better at making the monsters feel like their own characters who you can recognize and connect to like what they're, what they're doing by looking at them rather than Godzilla 2014 or, or King of the Monsters where, someone has to tell you what Godzilla's like their right. perspective of what Godzilla's thinking or feeling or, or whatever. Right. Um, 
or the monsters in general, they're like, oh, it's doing this because X, Y, Z. And like, you know, they, they have to give their interpretation for the audience to go, oh, that's why the monster's like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Wingard seems better at like creating character inside the monsters. Um, that's that's a strength. And the color, as you said, and is a strength. More so for, because I the monster versus Godzilla is a petty bitch, right? Like he, like most of his fights have been because he's- I mean, he's, I mean now for sure. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a petty little bitch, and, and like I love that about this monster versus Godzilla. Like he attacks Kong three times because he's just pissed off at him. Um, he's got beef, and he wants to squash the beef, of course. Um, so like I really love that about this version. But like, what Wingard is able to do is kind of give Godzilla a personality outside of that. Like you see, I just rewatched GBK, and like you see that turn where Godzilla is like fully against Kong, like really wants Kong to submit to him. And then decides, oh, you can see Godzilla work it out. That axe has power against Mechagodzilla if yeah. I charge it up. Like you see that happen. And I think that's really interesting that Wingard is able to convey that through no one telling you, oh, Godzilla, if Godzilla could just power the axe, blah, blah. Like you see Godzilla figure it out. And I yeah. and I'm I'm glad that Wingard is carrying on because I want to see more of that. Yeah, that's uh that's I think a fair point. Um I'm glad that like a chunk of our human cast are people returning from the previous movie because it just it it at least makes a little bit more work of like than having to make me invest and meet new people entirely in which case i'd be like do i even give a shit um at least i'm like well i know rebecca hall so at least i know I, i know gia i know brian tyree henry um who I enjoy. I enjoy watching him regardless of the fact that I don't think he really has much of a character. Um, Like he's fun to watch. Uh, And then you got Dan Stevens coming to play, which I hope is, is he's going to have something to actually really do. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I I have to wonder if he's like filling in the blank of like Alexander Skarsgård maybe didn't want to come back and they're like, well, we'll make a new character, but it's basically that guy. (laughs) It's possible. I mean, he's, you know, he knows Wingard. He's a friend of Wingard's. And so this could be like, Hey, why don't you just come and come and play? Yeah, I, I hope Dan Stevens is allowed to, to do something. But, like, I, I'm not expecting, nor do I think anybody is, based off the, the trailer, like, real human stuff no. here. Um, which is fine. Uh, I hope that's not forever the case of the MonsterVerse films. I hope Monarch kind of creates a sea change down the road that, like, oh, we could bring this back to, like, giving a shit about people. Um, yeah. But but obviously, no. for now, that's not what we're doing. The difficult thing has always been, how do you how would you balance something like for a film like this, how would you make characters more engaging when this film is clearly like, we want to see Godzilla and Kong team up and kick some ass. Sure. Uh, So like, that's also kind of the problem. I think the fast and the furious films have, have stumbled into, which is like, we come for the car chases. We want to see Dom do ridiculous things and drive off a bridge. Um, So where is that? Where does the character the character stuff kind of has to get kind of gets lost. I'd be really curious to see the potential of being like, can we actually marry the two? Can we take the human, uh, the human drama of say Monarch and put it in with the bombastic nature of Godzilla X Kong? Is that possible to merge the two in a scene in a, in a way that audiences will uh, respond positively to? Um, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just curious to know, um if it is you know if it is possible uh i think if godzilla versus kong had done more work you could do a story here that is about like kong 
in the end making a choice between are humans my family now or are these apes I found my family? But isn't that still centering around Kong's characterization and not necessarily humans? Sure, but it would be, but it would have to have been developed because of their connection to humans. And the thing is, like Kong is more, Kong is more workable as a character that connects to humans. Kong Saw Island benefits from this too. Yeah. Like Kong, Kong already feels like a character with pathos, with connectable, relatable, human-like emotions, because because we are so close to apes and the ape family and gorillas and everything so kong has that already right um and even baked in like going back to the original king kong source material like that's a part of like the 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 moniker of what he is um so yes it's still like centralized through connecting kong but but if you were asking me like how do you do a smackdown film and marry in the human stuff it's it's by connecting the human stuff to to kong because kong is the conduit who can like emotionally actually communicate and make active decision about human beings yeah um i don't think that's a robot arm i think it's, it's not past. no like uh, the moment the moment that uh we definitely like could have thought that from the photos but the the moment yeah. that the trailer starts you see his arm inside of it's like a gauntlet i think it's a cast i think he his arm is broken and he and he and like it's an enhancement but i think it's it, it's initially a cast Sure, could be. Yeah. Um, uh, either either way, like his real arm is there. Like it's just you, over it. You saw my tweet where I tweeted like, "Oh, they changed Godzilla spines again." Before the trailer dropped, was that's just the post. I was like, "Oh, they changed the Godzilla spines again." Interesting. Oh, Kong's got a metal arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> like completely uh, missed that. Yeah, the trailer. The trailer I think makes it pretty clear that it's like something over his arm. Yeah. Um, uh. Which is neat. I, I I'm down for Kong to to have the power glove. Uh, go for oh, it. Yeah. I'm um, I'm also like that shot of the two of them running towards the camera got me hyped. Yeah, I I, I like it. I know a lot of people are like, eh, and I'm like, I'm I'm digging it, y'all. I'm I'm excited yeah. for that fun time. It looks like the the bros ready to go smash down. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. I I'm okay. I'm okay with having the good time doing the 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 SmackDown film, and it looks like it's going to be a hell of a SmackDown film. Yeah. Um, and it might benefit more from not trying to have had some human story that it ultimately decided to scrap like the previous one clearly did and just be like from the out and out like we're doing the smackdown movie yeah. <laughs> um, and like that's what it is what i will say is like my main my main like i'm not that interested in this movie personally right now is i just don't really care about the scar king uh, and what I mean is like not necessarily as a character like I'm not thrilled about the design I'm not thrilled about them as a nemesis to these two um, there are obviously again just as it was with the previous film there are people suspecting there is still another monster being obscured from us yeah uh, that that will be a, a bigger threat to the two but I'm just like I just don't find the Scar King I don't I don't care for the look of him mm -hmm. personally like it's it's I'm not jazzed to watch him go toe to toe with these two. And there's nothing about him so far in the trailer that makes me think he could even kind of win this fight. Yeah. I'm outside of he's just bigger than Kong. Um, but like Godzilla could waste him. Um, like I'm not sure. What am I, I? I'm so curious. Why is King of the Monsters going to be the only Godzilla, the only MonsterVerse movie? To have a Toho monster in it? Um, I'm not gonna say that that's gonna be true forever, but 
I guess it really depends how this movie does. Yeah, I'm surprised that we haven't gotten another one. Uh, I mean, well, no, I'm sorry, Mechagodzilla. Obviously, Mechagodzilla is in TVK. Sure. I I mean, like, I get that that's technically a Toho monster, but like, yeah, we're using the terms really loose there. Sure. I mean, like, why haven't we like, are we going to see a Megalodon or a a Megalodon? (laughs) A Megalodon. Let's see Megalodon. Um, uh, Megalon or um, it does. It uh, does feel set up for Megalon, right? Like, yeah, the, the, the whole way the Hollow Earth stuff is there. It's like you could do Megalon so easily. Violante um, has been the one that people like if you're doing this whole thing where it's like the about Earth and about Mother Earth, then Violante is right there. Why can't he be a she? Sorry. Why can't she be a, a, a major antagonist in this franchise? I think one of the things that they've done is like because Godzilla, like in the MonsterVerse, Godzilla and Kong are kind of part of balance, right? Yeah. So why would Violante, as a representation of Earth, fight balance? That's a good. I point. think that is. I think that's hard to swing. Like you could go for the environmental stuff, but like, like she's anti-humans, but not anti the monsters. And the monsters decide they want to protect humans, but mm-hmm. like again, like I think because of the concept of balance, they've kind of thrown Violante into a weird, a weird angle to take. I think you could do a cool reinvention of Hedorah, um, uh, the smog monster. Uh, sure. I, I, I'm still, I'm still personally like, please just do aliens, and please just bring Gigan down from space. We already did King Ghidorah; he was an alien, right? And I'm just like, but I'm like, go for, go for, like, I, I want humanoid aliens who throw a monster at human beings, saying, "Yo, we want your planet. Here's our monster." And Godzilla's like, "Yo, what?" <laughs> um. Violante, I think Violante would probably work in a show like Monarch, um, actually. Yeah. Um, like um just another Alpha Titan who represents the Earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think not I necessarily could... as an antagonist. Um, but Mag has the perfect idea. Mag has Mag Mag has solved it. Mechanicong. Uh okay, so I'll say like no. Uh only because like that's what like Scar King feels like bad Kong, right? I think i lost you for a moment there right okay cool yeah i think if i think if you're doing scar king already that is like what if kong but bad and i don't need mechanic kong to be metal what if kong but bad like it, sure i'd rather not go to that well to be honest like i'm i'm so you did the mecha godzilla and i'm like please never do a mecha character again <laughs> unless it's like uh uh bringing in like the human created like here's jet jaguar and he's gonna like whatever like sure go ahead and go off in that direction but like i don't need a, a mechanized version of of one of our titans uh right. again all right well why don't we move on uh real quick uh, i'm trying to think if there was anything else about it i really want i i'm just i'm 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 all down for the flavors the flavors seem good um, we've we've got such wonderful Godzilla content in other places, like having this other piece of flavor to the to the media. Like even in the MonsterVerse, we're getting Monarch, which is more thoughtful and and all that about human stuff. And I'm like, great, that's awesome. Uh, I really hope that's played off more. I hope we get more Monarch, and I hope that that affects the future of the MonsterVerse. But like, sure, give me my give me my Godzilla vs Kong 2.0. Um, I'll watch it. Yeah, I think you, we talked about this really. We talked about this when we were talking about the first two episodes of Monarch. It'll take a while for the for what's going on in Monarch to actually create a sea change. Like it's not like GV GXK was too far along. 
to do any sort of meaningful sh- uh, change to to do that. But anything further could potentially be uh, inspired by Monarch to try. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I, I think it's just great, like where we came out of King of the Monsters and we were like, man, I don't know how much the Monsterverse has left in it as far as life. And now here we are and we're like, man, real cool stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, do you want to talk about the boys trailer? Sure. It looks great. Yeah, I, I it looks like more of the boys. <laughs> yeah, like that, that was kind of the thing where I was watching it. I was just like, yeah, it's 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 more of the it's more of the show. I like there's a lot in this trailer it looks like ryan kills a dude oh yeah people have like looked at that it's definitely ryan yeah he Um, throws he throws he pushes a dude and he flies into a building like holy shit um uh it does look like homeland is probably going to get some sort of trial um show trial for for killing that guy from the last season I do think this goes back to when we were talking about the boys season three, where like, I'm, I'm confident this is going to be another great season. That's going to be quality. Um, the boys has very much like, as we talked about when we did the top 15 and everybody forgot about the boys season three, except for myself, which was really funny to me still. Um, but that it is a known quantity. And I think that makes it so that you're kind of like, yeah, it's the boys. The boys is yeah. always good. Uh, and, and you just kind of like be, get sated into that point. I do think they really do only have like one more season past this of doing this story. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, okay, we're going for Homelander for real this time. And like, how's it going to get mucked up? And what's, what are the bad things that are going to come up as they do it? And I'm like, we really, and like, it, it's creating the political divides. The political divides are getting more heated because of how Homelander's coaxing the fire and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's real cool, man. I, I we can't do this forever. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be quality now. I'm sure it could be quality in another season. And then, we maybe have to at least be done with Homelander or if we're going to keep going with the boys or we have to be done with the boys as a whole. Because this season, last season was very much Homelander's descent. Uh, yeah. Post the uh, like, like even even season two, he was still like, you know, with, with Stormfront, he was still like on that base of like, I'm I'm Superman. I'm this great superhero, blah, blah, blah. And he but season three is really where that mask started to come off, where he started to be like, I'm better than everyone um right. so like we're kind of it, 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 i could see the trajectory of now that that mask off is internally that mask is coming off externally and people are starting to see homelander as a terrifying as a terrifying figure and not a heroic figure um which mm. could be really interesting to see uh and i think you're right that we we've got I, honestly i think the boys probably has five seasons in total in it yeah. Yeah. And then after after that, um, we're probably stretching a little too thin. But even so, like I've got no reason to think that other than a twinge of fear in the back of my head. Like I, this show could go on 10 years and it could still be quality for all I know. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that quality can be kept up. And I, I don't think necessarily the boys or the boys universe has to stop that soon. But I do think the the story being we have to dethrone Homelander, that has to end soon. Yeah, we can't do that for forever. Um, well, and I do think like we're we're whittling away at it, uh, uh, <clears throat> especially with how many times can like our our heroes, many of whom are normal people, come up against Homelander and Homelander lets them live. Yeah, I mean, you you talked about this, but um, the boys universe is due to continue because there's a second spinoff in the works called the boys Mexico. Um, Third spinoff. <sighs> 
the boy diabolical diabolical gen v and Mm. this yeah and i think that's great i think there's i think there's a lot of cool storytelling to do with the premise of the boys that is not bound by homelander Mm -hmm. um but i i do think like this core story element of of the focus on homelander that we're gonna have to reach out conclusion sooner than later um i think there's a lot of fear in whenever they uh, whenever they talk about these i think honestly quite frankly unfounded fear when it comes to these spinoffs the boys um that i see online a lot and i I, not to bring up too much of the online discourse towards these but they keep talking about how like oh the boys is becoming the very thing it satirized but like as long as as long as the as long as they're still something to be said like gen v was seen as like you know someone said to me someone said online it's like oh i can't believe i have to watch the spinoff to understand the fourth season and it's like i don't think i think the people were trying to sell you on the spinoff like i don't think it was ever supposed to be necessary to understand but like what like do you want the spinoff to be like yeah we're making the spinoff don't watch it though like what are what are what are people expecting from this massively popular show and as long as it's still as long as it's still being that satirization of the superhero genre in different aspects different areas it it has the potential it there there's no there's no i I don't see the problem honestly yeah i i agree um i i think as long as like the quality and the passion is there like go for it and like if it isn't people won't watch it and that's whatever yeah um from all accounts like i haven't watched nv yet but ryan really liked it i know a lot of people that really liked it um and i've said like it's just as quality as the boys and i'm excited to check it out because Apparently it's very good, so that's yeah, great. Yeah, I still it's it's on my list. <laughs> Did you notice a lot of shit came out this year? Yeah, of course. Like I felt more more stuff came out this year than before. Like it just felt well, so hard to keep up with. Well, again, like you know, we're still we were in a year that was react reactionary to the pandemic. Still, good point. Like like projects that finally got to cross their finish lines, and so there there was a lot of like kind of fighting over taking center stage for it man if the strikes had happened we'd still have we'd probably still have echo um thank god yeah i mean like things things are i i think things are slowing down again um but yeah i mean it was a lot well and it's also a lot but it's been a lot of like we are very you and i specifically of the fake nerds you and i consume a lot of things across a lot of different kind of genres and mediums even more so i think than than this is no slight on Ryan or Ben, then certainly than Ben, but even Ryan, because like Ryan won't watch all the cartoons that you and I will watch or things like right. that. Um, and so very, very broad. So a lot of things have come out that have been in our wheelhouse in particular. Uh, so, so it does feel like quite a lot. Anyway, going back to the boys, um, uh, black noir is there again, which is interesting. Um, yeah. We'll see, a lot of people, we'll think they're going to, a lot of people think they're going to do the clone story. It's hard to imagine what else it is, um, but mm-hmm. but I'm I'm really curious how that's gonna. I'm really curious how that's gonna play out. I hope that they they've got a good idea for that. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's here, uh, Kripke getting all the people back. I'm I'm just waiting for when Jared Padalecki will show up. As Do you something. think he? He certain. I'm sure he wants to, right? Yeah, I, I I suspect just because of his schedule and like what else he does with his life, he'll be like a one or two episode appearance that gets killed by somebody. Sure. By, by soldier boy or something like you know that'd be cute um 
yeah, I, I, I suspect that before the run is over, I suspect we see Jared Padalecki play something. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to talk about the Furiosa trailer also? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it looks great. I'm really excited about Anya Taylor-Joy playing this younger version of her. Um, I think she's excellent casting. It looks really striking and cool and colorful. It looks like a George Miller film in, in all the best ways. I think it's a real shame that so much of this had to be done during the pandemic so there you can tell there's not as much on location filming as there was in Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are some shots where it's just like, oh, that's a digital landscape. Oh, sure. that's a digital landscape. And I and just when you put it against Fury Road, it's like, that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, Fury Road has a lot of, people have talked about the Fury Road has a lot of visual effects in it. Um, but that you do kind of lose something from the on-location shoot that Fury Road was able to benefit yeah. from. Um, but I, it still looks incredibly striking. I love, for some reason, finally getting to hear Chris Hemsworth's actual native accent in a movie. Sure, yeah. Which is wild to me that this might be the first time this ever happened. Yeah, I don't think it's the first time, but it's definitely the first time in like a major title that yeah. like not the films he made before Thor, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, they were saying th- some people have said this might be his first like Australian film that he's done um, sure. because I think he did. He was probably on, a, on Australian TV shows prior uh, to Thor, but I think like films Thor was it. Maybe um, I'd have to look into that, but yeah, yeah uh, it's it's cool. Uh, I, I I'm I'm really jazzed about going back to all of this. I think it looks cool. George Miller has a passion. Um, again, like my only ding is I'm just like, man, it just can't look as good as Fury Road, and that's a bummer. Yeah, I'm looking up Chris Hemsworth's IMDb. <laughs> um, let's see, he's only done 46 movies. I feel like he's done more than that um actually quite a lot for how long he's been on the scene that's true okay uh tv series tv series tv series oh i was wrong his first film was star trek there you go look at that and then before that he just did a bunch of tv shows uh yeah i think it looks i think it looks like george miller's bringing it again in in every way that he possibly could yeah i agree um it looks it looks striking and i'm really excited for it um okay um i have some news i wanted to bring up that's okay yeah go for it um we don't spend a lot of time on it um one is uh which i think you're interested in um yeah mag i know he was kirk's dad i've seen (laughs) that movie (laughs) i know that just forgot the order that it came out in (laughs) um uh, but uh, Disney is putting Soul, Luca, and Turning Red in theaters. These are the three oh, Pixar sure, films. Yeah, yeah. These are the three Pixar films that weren't in theaters because one was because of the pandemic, two was because Chapek uh, was an idiot. Um, and uh, well, okay, well, maybe Luca could have been. But uh, both Luca, both Luca and Turning Red could have been in theaters. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I meant. Um, yeah, Soul, Soul could not have. Yeah. But Soul yeah. makes sense. Soul made sense. I always said that Soul made sense because like Soul, you know, you're giving us a Christmas gift. So, you know, happy Christmas. Here's Soul. Um, great. But Turning Red and Luca should have been in theaters. And finally, I'm really excited. I don't think they're going to do as as well as they probably would have had this been first run. But it's really cool that they're doing this so that people who do want to go see them can finally see them in theaters. I know Ryan is a big fan of Turning Red. He really loved that movie. Um, you know, getting the opportunity to see that on a big screen could be really exciting. 
yeah, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Luca as well. Um, Luca, I will I will probably go out of my way to see in theaters Turning Red as well. Um, I don't know about Soul. Uh, I don't know if I'll do that. I like Soul, but I don't know if I like Soul that much. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably try to go see Turning Red myself. Um, if I had to pick one, because probably do. Um, but and like, look, you know, this is because the strike has has halted a lot of like Disney has a has a has like a whole quarter where they don't have a lot of movies coming out, and so this is their way of fixing that. And honestly, good. These films should have always been in theaters, and I'm glad this is happening. I just think it's really funny after Bob Iger like threw Pixar under the bus uh, earlier this year around the time of Elemental's release, like within its first week saying like, yeah, Pixar is just not delivering like it used to. And, and then Elemental did great after a good word of mouth, which was awesome for it. And then turning red and Luca and soul, as people have pointed out, like you shit can these movies, like you cut them off at the knees because of Disney plus. And now here they'll get this chance. And I, and I'm like, I, I hope they do well just to kind of be like another another hint of the like your your theatrical to streaming pipeline is stupid yeah. um, in the way that you manage it. Like streaming should be much further behind than it is. Yeah, uh, uh, it just it should never come out on Disney Plus before it comes out on Blu-ray. That doesn't make sense. There's a um, Peacock, I think. Has, Last Voice of the Demeter is still not on Peacock. And like I'm like that. To be fair, that's a movie that people would probably find in streaming. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Bold. Like, yeah. you're, you waited that long to put the movie. Barbie and Oppenheimer are still not on streaming services. No, I, I think Barbie's on Max now. Barbie it will be on Max next week. Mm. But like, it's it's taken a while, right? Um, yeah, sure. And Like, that's fine. Like, you, you want to take the both those movies are on Blu-ray. Both those movies have been doing well on Blu-ray. And now they're going on streaming. That makes a lot of sense. What Opp- the Disney Plus Opp- streaming? Opp- service, I oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. This Disney Plus streaming uh, uh, pipeline is broken, and it's it it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, I'm I'm sure Christopher Nolan uh, stipulated like this doesn't go to streaming until X Y Z date. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if it um, even goes at all, you know, I kind of regret not doing a review of Oppenheimer. I mean, we always can. We can always go back and do it. Like, nobody's stopping us. We are our own. I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. I think it's a brilliant film. I I think, like, I I could have had things to say about it. I didn't feel the need to do a review. Um, But, but, like, it's a strong, it's a strong film. Like, I really, really enjoy it. Um, Yeah. And and Barbie, both were great films. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't regret not doing a review of Barbie, but Oppenheimer, I Maybe I'll. I want to do Blue Beetle and Dark and Last Voyage of the Demeter before we do those two. But yeah, no, I, of course we we have our things. We know what we're doing. Um, the last thing I want to bring up is um, Sparks. You unfortunately did not. You still have not had a chance to watch this show, and um, that's you know you've got a busy life and it makes sense. Um, one of my favorite shows of the year got a second season order, which is not something I expected. Which is Fiona and Cake. Yeah, I mean, I'm still excited about this. I still like Adventure Time. Yeah, I, um, you and I are big Adventure Time fans. Um, season one, uh, Fiona Cake was incredible. Um, I I adored it. Um, it was so unexpected and wild. Um, and uh, the way it ends very much felt like we're done. This was the story. We completed the story. We're done. And that could have been it. And I would have been very happy with that. Very much like in the same way, like Distant Lands, you know, the last episode of Distant Lands together again, like very much feels like 
second to last, which is always weird, but I know what you mean. Oh, that's right, because the Peppermint Butler one is the last one. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Distant Lands together again feels like the end. Yes. Um, but it like it feels like the end. Adventure Time, I I I started saying Adventure Time has three good finales. Um, yeah. which is the finale to the series, the fin- uh, the together again to distant lands and now f- the ending of Fiona and cake. Um, right. and so like the way Fiona and cake ends, I felt very satisfied and not needing a, se- a second season. And I'm surprised that they are getting a second season and I'm excited. Uh, but I can't help but wonder like, what's it going to be about? Because like that first season is, it was very much done. Um, I can't help you, but I'm sure they've got ideas. I'm sure they do too. And I'm excited to see it back. I'm excited to get Fiona and Cake back. I think they're wonderful characters. Um, I am so glad that they were able to hold a series because like very much could not have been able to um, sure. because of their own, they're only like what three episodes of the original series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm excited to see more of that show. Um I can't say too much more without spoiling it for you, Sparks, and I don't want to do that, so I'm going to uh, hold off, and uh, hopefully you get to watch it soon. Sure. Yeah, it's on my, you know, my nearby docket. Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll come to it for an animation station uh, whenever you get to it. Um, I hope so. <laughs> um, but uh, you want to talk about some some other things that aren't news-related before we get out of here? Yeah, um, I I recently consumed um, Our Flag Means Death. Yeah, uh, uh, I watched both seasons of that, which I had not seen season one when it originally came out. Um, and Ryan and and Kate, who had both seen season one, uh, were like, "We gotta watch season two. And so we we watched season one. We watched season two. Um, I think the show is very good. I think it's very clever. I think there's a lot of uh, really great uh, characters inside of their uh, great cast. Um, a lot of good humor uh i i love all the queer storytelling to it um in multiple ways i think that's excellent i'm not going to spoil anything about season two um i i think more in season two than season one but it's definitely also present in season one i rub up against steed sometimes um as a protagonist just because i don't find him as likable uh as i'd like to um and that's fine like mm-hmm. I I I know that like part of it part of the point is for him to be the way that he is. I just think one or two times it goes too far, um, to making him really hard for me to want to root for, mm-hmm. personally. Um, but that's not everybody's feeling about it, and that's fine. Yeah, I haven't seen season one since it aired, and I haven't seen season two yet. I really liked it. Um, because I have to see season two. I really should watch that soon, though. Um. But it, yeah, I, I I kind of understand what you're saying about about Steed being unlikable, especially where we leave him out at the end of this of the first season. Um, but I'm curious. But so I'm curious to know if they maybe go too far in season two. And again, like I talked about before we recorded, like, you know, Ryan and myself, we were kind of swept up in the kind of hype of the show as it was airing, being like this was, you know, it's such a surprise because like they kept the fact that it was a love story between Steve and Blackbeard a secret. And when it finally happens, everyone's kind of like, holy shit, like this is like, I can't believe they actually committed to that. Um, sure. And so like, that's really, that's really interesting. But like coming to season two with all that hype gone, like what, what is that show now? What does that show have left to say? You know? 
and I think there's still a lot of great stuff to it. I, the, the surrounding cast are really well uh, loved. I think there's a lot of great stuff with them in season two. I think there's a lot of great messaging in the show in general. My thing with Steed is that I think to your point, even in season one, that he does things that are very selfish. And like, the thing is that it's two, we're two seasons in and I, and outside of him recognizing that he loves Ed and wants to be with him. Um, he's not growing, you know, like he's not becoming a better person mm -hmm. necessarily. Other people around him are by the nature of what his relationship with Blackbeard creates, but not him himself. And he's not necessarily growing into a better person. He's kind of still, even by the end of season two, a lot of the same person that he was at the beginning of season one. Sure. Um, and so like that, that selfishness doesn't go away and nobody's like pushing him to make it go away either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I that. And, and that, that, that's the part where I'm like, I don't mind a character being that way, but I do feel like I want to watch a character start to change mm -hmm. uh, from that. And like the, the positive effects in their life make them improve. And I don't think Steed is improving um, outside of recognizing his queer romance. That's right. like it. Uh, and I don't think that's enough to me. Um, so he's, he's like really bottom tier of my favorite characters on the show by the sure. end of season two, uh, because of that. I, I just think there's a lot more, I think there is growth and arcs to so many other characters and he's just not one of them. Right. Um, I know you got one more thing you want to talk about, but I, I was, can I, I, I think I should bring up mine my one thing that I wanted to talk about um, Go for it. Uh, before, because I think you and I can both talk about the last thing, but this one's pretty singular. So I want to just kind of get it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is I, I listened to the entirety of big finishes 60th anniversary special for Dr. Who once in future. Um, thanks to my good friend here. Um, well, the entirety that's out, the entirety that's out. The eighth episode is not out yet. Um, it's out next year. Um, Cause they're psychos. They are insane. Um, but all in all, I think it's really good. It kind of does suffer, I think, from the same problem that I have with the 60th anniversary specials on TV, which is just the fact the 50th anniversary just to me kind of felt more like a like an like a, like a special event. Um, the, be, between the light of the end, which I recently listened to, and the power of the Doctor, it just kind of felt more like a more like a celebration of Doctor Who. Um, and not not to say that the 60th isn't it's just there was a different feeling in the 60th of more of a um less of a celebration more of a good more of a good time you know right um and that's not just that's no slight on the 60th anniversary specials at all i like them a lot but that's just kind of how i felt about it but once in future i think is mostly very good but you can tell that about halfway through they got the contracts for Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant. And they were like, how do we put them in this? Hmm. Um, because they were writing it before they were before Eccleston and uh, Tennant signed on to do big finish stories. Right. Um, there's one story in particular that I flat out don't like. And I tweeted about it. This was um, the sixth doctor episode, which pairs him with Lady Christina D'Souza, who I love um, and Jackie Tyler who's in it for some reason 
It's because she's in, been in a bunch of Big Finish stories. And I don't understand why. Like this, it's it's like she, because they can't I, get Rose. But they but they have Rose. They have Rose Tyler episodes. Um, where like they're playing the dimension hopping Rose Tyler. Yeah, but when they can't get Rose, they get Jackie. It's so weird. It's so weird. And like she, unfortunately, to say the whole episode's kind of a wash. It doesn't really add anything to the overarching story at all. And um, no, I guess I can't say that it doesn't introduce the villain. The villain is interesting because it's um, I shouldn't spoil it because I just said it's the villain of the piece. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I won't say who the villain of the piece is. The villain is a big Finnish ta- created time lord. That is a really interesting concept that I wish I could say more about. Sure. I don't know how long. How long do you think it'll take you to listen to this? A long time, but it's whatever. Can I say who the villain is? I don't care. Go ahead. Okay, so it's a big Finnish introduced. It's a big Finnish introduced time lord who <laughs> is. We're introduced him as the two, and then we then we introduce them as the union, and it's a time lord who when they regenerate their previous self stays in their mind talking to like talking to them. So as they regenerate, more minds are locked in their head. So they keep, so they kind of like are battling for one body every single time they regenerate. It's a really Mm. cool idea. It's a really cool concept for a time Lord that the regenerations are just wrong. Um, Cause your, your brain is supposed to be overwritten by the regeneration, but what if it's not? Um, kind of a cool idea that i really enjoyed um and uh so and then but my favorite episode is actually the david Tennant one which is really weird because it, like it's very much a last minute episode edition uh-huh. uh, but it's really good because it's david Tennant as the 10th doctor <laughs> he starts the episode as the first doctor and then he's hit with this like regeneration with this degeneration ray again for the second time in the special and it like it's such a potent, uh, such a potent beam that it actually shoots him into his future self. Uh-huh. And he's kind of confused by it the whole episode. But he meets Madame Vastra, Jenny and Strax and Missy. Interesting. And it's a lot of fun because like sure. David, the 10th the Doctor and Missy have a lot have some great like they're so fun together. It, it makes me wish we could have seen them on TV. Yeah. Missy is definitely a master who I wish carried over. Not that I want her to do the 13th Doctor story stuff because that's all bad um, storytelling with the master. But like, I I, I love Missy. I think Missy mm-hmm. might be my favorite interpretation of the master as a character. Mm-hmm. Like just what's there in the character. Um, John yeah. Sim's wonderful. I love watching John Sim play the Doctor. Um, but Missy has so much depth to her. There was something different about Missy that they really leaned into that I like, specifically in the later Capaldi stuff, not necessarily the early Capaldi stuff. Um, But she's a lot of fun playing with David Tennant. Um, And then it's revealed that she's also not supposed to be in this body. So it's actually not Missy. It's the master having regenerated too far uh, because he was also hit with the degeneration ray. Um, So that was... So so uh, they have a lot of like they kind of they do this thing where they're like they pre-member. So they like re- whenever they're in bodies, they're like, oh, wait, I know you in the future, don't I? So like re- they're like thinking about like that all, all the memories are scrambled. And so it kind of gives them a way to do some stuff. But all in all, it's a pretty fun story. Um, I, I like for the most part, all the characters they mix and match with and do and do stuff with. And all the doctors are doing some really fun stuff with their characters. The 
Uh, Fifth Doctor and Jenny story is, is my second favorite. I really like that one. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I I just consumed a lot of Doctor Who, <laughs> like a lot of Doctor Who within these audios, and I finished the Whitaker stuff, which we'll talk about it when we do our Doctor Who episodes. But I firmly believe that Whitaker has the worst regeneration special of the entire run of Doctor Who, of New. Yeah, Who. I, I I I don't think that's a hard a hard thing to say like it's it's so bad no other no other doctor is taken out of the story for a third of their own regeneration story it's it's baffling decision baffling decision i don't understand it yeah um i mean like it's just emblematic of how whitaker is given the short and the stick constantly in the writing yeah anyway but we'll Uh, talk about more of that when we do our oh yeah 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 um but yeah once in future is a lot of fun i'm really glad to listen to it all um i loved listening to the big finish doctor who stuff there there's so much there's such good times um yeah anyway we want to talk about uh nimona right so does seven feel like it ends or are they leaving you hanging for that eighth episode seven definitely feels like it ended okay interesting um there's a really good oh there's one more thing i want to talk about because you brought it up um the whole special the whole event we're not sure which doctor was hit with the degeneration ray um by the time we get to the last episode he degenerates into the eighth doctor and he's like oh i'm back this is i i was the one who got hit with the ray and he doesn't quite remember the 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 real the what what it is is actually he was it was the war doctor that was hit mm. with this ray and so got like it. he's so he's talking about um <clears throat> so the way they're beating him is like the doctor's like i'm in full like I've defeated you, all my parts. Like I love all, all I love all, all of me. I love all being me and doing all this stuff. And like all of the doctors are me. And this kind of whole thing, like we're all one person. You can't, you can't scatter me across time. And because we're all one person. And then the villain is like, except there's one that you don't acknowledge, and it's the one that I hit with the degeneration ray. You were wrong the entire time. Um, mm. And it was, and then he's the, and then the war doctor comes out and he's like, you're talking about me. Yes. I'm the one that nobody wants to talk about. I'm the one doing this, um, blah, blah, blah. But then he, but then he degenerates again into eight and eight has a really great line about the war doctor that I love, which is, um, uh, so this is now after eight has regenerated. Um, but he says, there's a terrible future in store and someone must carry that burden and be ready to let the doctor back in. He is our shield our protection from the worst of it right now i accept him mm. like talking about the war doctor like the war doctor we had to become the war doctor he is the one protecting the previous doctors and the future doctors from having to suffer the atrocities of this war he's like talking about the war doctor as a protector of yeah. the very name of the very character of the doctor was such an interesting way to, to look at that character I, I really liked it yeah that's cool um but yeah it does feel like it ends um so i don't know what the hell that eighth episode could be sure all right one last thing yeah let's do it okay um i also watched nimona which you watched a while back but i, I finally did. got around to it um, what you think i quite like it uh i read the comic i don't know if you've read the comic not yet um i think that comic is good i like that comic i love this movie i think it's a better more cohesive more thoughtful version of telling this story sure Um, uh i think the comic feels like it's kind of figuring it out as it goes and i don't think there's anything wrong with that Mm -hmm. 
Um, but this obviously feels more cohesive from the jump. Um, I like the I like the storytelling of it. I like the characterizations. I like them in the comic too, but I, I like what they're doing here. Um, yeah. I think Chloe Grace Moretz is perfectly cast for Nimona. I think she brings a lot to the character. Um, She's so much fun is that in that in that role, I think. She is. Uh, and and Nimona's a fun character. And I think that's it's just a really engaging, fun film. I'm, I'm, I lament that it wasn't allowed to go to theaters. Me too. Um, I'm glad it was able to be. It was someone saved. Netflix saved it from someone, I think. Yes. Uh, uh, I think. Blue Sky? No. Possibly? Maybe Disney? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Netflix saved it from being completely washed. Uh, yeah. It's wonderful. It's lovely. Uh, I, I think it's really, really cool. Um, um, I really liked. I really like that movie. Um, I think it's very funny. It's very sweet. It's very charming. I love the humor about it. The animation is gorgeous. The yeah. animation is 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 stunning. Um, I uh, I'm so happy that movie exists, but I I hate that it doesn't get a lot of a, a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think it could it could get more. I think it it had a hot moment when it came out, and then it's kind of been forgotten, which is unfortunate. And if Across the Spider Verse hadn't come out this year, I would say that that it's the best anime film of the year. Really, um, oh, that makes me very happy. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Across the Spider Verse beats it, but like that's a right. high high praise. Um, that, of, that, that still puts it at second, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of another animated film that came out this year that I think is better. I Granted, I haven't seen Wish, but by all accounts, I don't think Wish would beat Nimona. I, yeah. What about TMNT? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> ooh, I, I kind of like... I, I stopped thinking of Mutant Mayhem as a, an animated film, which is weird, and I thought of it as just like a great turtle movie. Sure. Shit! Oh no, it's top three. Okay, on a, on a personal level, Mutant Mayhem might be might be above Nimona for me, but I really oh. like Nimona. Um, yeah, I saw Wish because you brought it up. I saw Wish, and it's fine. There's certainly funny moments about it, but there's really nothing. Um, the the references to other Disney films are really really heavy handed, like in really in really weird ways. I will say this though. Chris Pine 100% saves the movie. He's so good as the villain. I love it. I want to see him to be a villain more often. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that like uh, everything I've heard is that he kind of got the Elsa treatment where like he was supposed he was supposed to have so much more to him and he's reduced. But I haven't seen the movie, so I can't. I, I see that. It's um, I mostly just praise his performance more than anything. Chris Pine's always good. Yeah. Chris Pine's always good in bad movies. Like Chris Pine's just always good. Um, I'm so glad you saw Nimona though. Nimona though, I think it's a really great movie, and I thought you would really like it. Yeah, Nimona was an important one for me to want to make sure I saw because when I read the comic earlier this year, I I was like, yes, I really really want to get to this movie. I was really jazzed about it, and it took us some time because like other people in the house wanted to watch it. So I was like, okay, well we gotta find time where everybody wants to sit down and watch Nimona. Finally, Nimona. So yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think Nimona is really special. Uh, I I think it's really great. Um. I don't know if it'll end up in my top 15, but right now I'd like to think it will. But like you just remind me about Mutant Mayhem and I'm like, I know that's up there. So I don't know. Um, anything can happen now. Hmm. I'm going to start writing my top 15 because we got to record that sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I really I really like that movie and I'm glad it's I'm glad you finally saw it. Um, should we watch it? Um Man, that movie is really funny. Like, I just think about some of the humor in that movie a lot. Like, 
Yeah. When she right, like right. go ahead. Where they're like, put down your weapons quickly before the whale shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when they're all just... like criticizing criticizing uh his boyfriend for for like, yeah, how, why did you tell us he was in league with whales? <laughs> I really like um, when she first shows up in the place. Like, is this your murder board? Is like, is this so you're gonna murder? It's like, no, this isn't my murder board. Um, her like psychotic like nature, just like because like it's a movie about two people who like one person who desperately wants to be a villain and one person who desperately doesn't. Right. Um, I really, I think it's a really cool. Or when she's like stabbed with the arrow, and she, the guy's like, wait, what, are you okay? Like, oh, yeah, I think yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, a lot of great humor. A lot of yeah. great humor. All right, so that'll do it? Yeah, that'll do it. Cool. Uh, went a little long today, but that's okay. Um, hey, when it's, when, it's the, when it's the two of us, boy, we can gab all night. We can gab all night. Um, all right, but we're not going to do that today. Well, we might. We're recording again tonight. Who knows? Um, all right, so guys, that'll do it for the episode of Fickner Podcast. 348. Uh, just a heads up, this might very well be the last episode of the year. Um, the way this new format is going on um, and some of the things that we have to record before the end of the year might take precedent. So uh, if you don't see uh, 349 until January, that is why. It's because we are doing other things that will be out in the interim. Um, so stay tuned for those wonderful things. Um, but of course, you can check out all sorts of things uh, that I that I you know just alluded to on our website at fictionpodcast.com, where we have um, uh, a tab with everything that we do. Every single episode of every single show can be found through there, through links, everything, and make it pretty easy for you guys to find. Um, you know, there's a lot of Fickner's watches coming out right now. There's a lot of uh, strike content that's still coming out. Uh, well, not a lot of strike content. We're almost done with that stuff, right? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll be wrapping up within this next week. We've got all of Loki for Fake Nerds Watch, the end of Lower Decks. That should be everything. Yeah. I gotta put Loki Season 1 on the audio feed. Oops. Um, so I gotta remember to do that. Um, so stay tuned for that to happen, hopefully this week. We'll see. Um, but there's tons of things that you can um, check out. Such, uh, you know, the cinephiles are still coming out. So plenty of stuff. You can also check us out on Patreon and TeePublic if you like to make Christmas shopping a lot easier and support us financially. Um, you can do that over on our website or on linked below. Um, once again, that website is fakenerpodcast.com. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watched the live show. Thank you to everyone who watched the rewind. Thank you to Mag for joining us. Uh, he says once again uh, in the comments here, take care, gang. Take care, Great Mag. Great to have you, Mag. Glad he could have. I'm glad he got to join us again. Um, let's see. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci uh, for, for the music you heard here tonight and all the music here for all of our shows. Uh, thank you to Jeremy for that. You can find him at Jeremy Vellucci underscore wreck of time, where you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on all the podcast medias such as iTunes, of course, Facebook at Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Uh, you can also find our good friend Mike Matola, who did our logo and a bunch of other things and a bunch of collaborations and hopefully some collaborations next year. Uh, there's one in particular that we tried to get done this year that we just ran out of time and hopefully we'll be able to do it next year. Mm -hmm. um, you can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram, Twitter. Nope, on Instagram, threads and TikTok. Um, I think that's where he is. 
cool. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FicknerGuys at gmail.com. Don't forget to touch with us personally. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for AtomicKeekdom.com. Once again, you, find, you can find Ben Magnet 27 at Ben, sorry, you can find our friend Ben at Ben Magnet 27. You can find Ryan, who couldn't be here today, at DJ Tony Snark 616. And Sparks, we can find you. Uh, you can find me um, just super excited for all the Scott pilgriming we're going to do uh, to, to cap off into this, into this next year uh, at sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S P A R K Z witty. All right, guys, subscribe to us on your podcast of choice, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel until next time you see us guys. I forgot this isn't pre-recorded. Uh, there it is. Stay fake nerds. <laughs>